Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Swing, fly ball, Belton left center. There's number 14 for the lead. <laughs> the king has returned. Let's get nasty on a Wednesday. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. 202, your time check check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And yes, the king has returned. The king being, <laughs> no, not LeBron James as the Lakers uh, inch closer and closer to another series victory, this time over Golden State. This king, of course, is Paul DeYoung who has owned the Cubs at Wrigley Field, and he did so again last night. He hit what what turned out to be the game-winning home run for the Cardinals, who do tack on another run, win it 6-4. to four. And Jamie, we've talked about this. We've seen it before out of the Cardinals, although not this year. They are officially on a winning streak. Yeah, it's kind of weird how things work sometimes. You look at the Cardinals... Just not a great year, but now they're playing. They're finding ways to win baseball games where they were finding ways to lose baseball games before. Good call. And that's really all that's changed because the starting pitching is still a massive question mark. We'll get into that throughout the show. Oh, baby. But the defense is tightening up. You're getting some timely hits from guys. So, again, you're finding ways to win rather than finding ways to lose. And this is exactly what the Cardinals need. Try and string some wins together. I I thought that the game two nights ago when Wilson Contreras had his moment against his former team, against the crowd that, of course, rooted for him during the World Series championship and all that, I thought that game... There was more more energy. There was more swagger even though the Cardinals didn't have really any reason to be confident going in and they win that one and then you start this snowball effect and you're right I think that one they're hitting home runs which is huge two they're playing outstanding defense the starting pitching has been better of late although not a great outing again by Jack Flaherty but you still overcame it and for them to go up at 1.4 to 1 we've been there a couple of times this season you go up 4 to 1 and you're still thinking how they're going to blow this oh, and they, they tried and they then they tried the cubs come back they tie it but then paul de young one of the more unlikely heroes so far since returning off the il he hits he hits the the game winner so i like how you phrase that and they're finding ways to win now as opposed to inventing new ways each and every night to lose. But that's what happens when you're a team that's in a losing streak, is you're, you always you constantly find ways to lose. There's always something that happens. Let's go back to the Blues this past season. They'd have a game where they're competitive, and then they, the second period, the wheels would fall off. Or late in the third, they'd give back the victory. Or the backdoor tap-in was left available. You're like, why? Why? Well, the Cardinals were doing the same thing. With their starting pitching, then it was the bullpen. We talked about that, the roaming problems that they've had throughout the course of the season. Now, not so many. Still, like, again, question marks surrounding starting pitching. Certainly, Jack Flaherty right now. A lot going on around Jack Flaherty. 
but at least the Cardinals are able to still get the wins. Paul DeYoung hit his third home run of the year last night. Cardinals added on one more, like I said. But then DeYoung, right now, DeYoung is hitting 350. His slash line is 350, 409, 650. And that's in 44 plate appearances. Cardinals are going to have to keep him, keep running him out there. Jamie? Oh, Flaherty? Not Flaherty, no. Paul DeYoung, oh, the king. Oh, Paul DeYoung, sorry. I was reading a text that was directed at you. What do you got? It was really good. It says, hey, Tony, whatever, man. You just don't know radio. <laughs> Jack Flaherty. <laughs> if you ask me that, you just don't know baseball. Like I said, we'll get into Jack Flaherty, but that's very creative from the 573. That might be the guy that hates me. Early no. early text, early text of the day. Yeah. Let's hear from Ali Marmel because, of course, Paul DeYoung, and I'll be the first one to admit that, uh, Jamie, this is going to surprise you. I used some snark when it came to Paul DeYoung fixing his swing. One with the new swing this offseason. I told you to believe, Anthony. I believe would. it was his fourth. You're right. You you had this all along. Jamie, yep. oh, good yeah. call. Our guy BT had it. Yeah, he did. Well, he did. Sometimes you just fall into one. Yeah, you do. Especially when you're constantly banging the positivity drum. There you go, banging again. Yep. Always uh, about you. Here's Ali Marmel on the difference in Paul DeYoung, the difference that he's seen thus far. Yeah, and his demeanor and overall... Just the way you step into the box is different. There's a calmness to him, and um, there's confidence. Uh, but he's taking some really good at bats, driving the baseball, going another way, pulling it when needed. But overall, it's been it's been fun to watch. He's definitely more balanced. He's under control. He's taking really good swings. He's he's in the middle of the field. Just overall, it's been productive. If you hit your play right, yeah, Paul DeYoung is his average going into that home run swing. Yesterday was 333. The hell are we doing here? Yeah, play. All we've ever wanted from Paul DeYoung is this timely pop and consistency. Mm-hmm. And he's delivering. You got to play him. He should be in every freaking day right now until he shows that he can't play every day. I don't know what it, he didn't. When Ali talked about. The difference in Paul DeYoung this year, he he really is just talking about being confident, in my opinion. I mean, Jamie, you probably fell in and out of bad habits and or good habits what? throughout your playing career. <laughs> if if you're not if you're not playing well, it's easy to have that anxiety and maybe you get to put you're pressing too much and you you don't know what to do, so you're changing everything, you're changing your routine, you might you might be tra- changing some of your mechanics, whether you're a pitcher or a uh, hitter. And all of a sudden, when things when things lock in, this is what we talk about, that the game slows down. And I think the game has slowed back down for Paul DeYoung. I don't know how long it's going to last, but at this point, it doesn't matter. The Cardinals have needed this, this type of performance. So in over his last 50 at-bats, Paul DeYoung just continues to trend in the, in the right direction. Well, he's batting 350 right now with an OPS of 1,059. Excellent. I mean, it's more than excellent. Really. Three home runs, six RBIs. But this is what you want. This is, Paul DeYoung was an all-star. It's been a while. You got to squint, look back. But he was. And it's nice to see him have some success. You know, I, I've said this before. We've been snarky at times about Paul DeYoung, for sure. Um, but I've always heard that he's an incredible teammate, a great dude, and works extremely hard. His biggest fault is that he gets inside his own head and does damage to himself Mm -hmm. right now whatever he's done he's found the groove again 
So now if I'm Ollie or if I'm the hitting coach, I'm saying, hey, listen, exactly the way you feel right now, remember this. Remember it. Remember take your notes. routine. Remember, like, take the notes. Like Matt Holiday used to yep. talk about writing it, writing things down. So I'm happy for the guy. Yeah, just to echo what you just said there, because it reminded me of when we asked Matt Holiday the one time, when when things are going poorly, what are, what are ways that you can – on you know get get out of that funk and he said i used to write down when i when i don't feel right i used to write down when i when i did feel right when the ball you know when it looked like a beach ball every time i stepped into the the batter's box what am i doing routine wise what am i seeing why why do i feel locked in right now and then that way he could inevitably when that pendulum swung back just because baseball at 162 games you're going to get you're going to get good streaks and, and cold streaks when that cold streak inevitably comes back around, he could reference those notes. So I agree with you. I think that Paul DeYoung figuring out what is going right right now. Don't just say, okay, I'm not even going to think about it. Fig- take that next step. Well, especially if you're that type of a personality. Definitely. You can't take a guy like that, a very analytical mind, and tell him to wing it. It's just probably, it. I bet he tried it. Didn't work. So if you're going to have a personality of someone like that, then use it in the best way possible, which is write down when things are good, write down when things are bad, and then go back to your own analytics about yourself and kind of fix it. That always works well, Jamie. Hey, listen, I know you're I know you're stressed out right now. Don't don't think about it. Yeah, I know. That's all I can think about now. Great, thanks. Appreciate you. Paul DeYoung's not uh, not feeling the, the the pressure right now. He's swinging a hot bat, and the Cardinals have won three straight. They'll take on the Cubs again tonight at Wrigley Field. The Cubs have back are backsliding. Cardinals picking up a little momentum, so we'll we'll see if they can continue that and win their fourth consecutive game yeah, when they take on the Cubs again tonight at six forty-five. With Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter, it's the Fast Line on one hundred and one ESPN. Well, we said a couple of times in this segment, we got to get to Jack Flaherty. Let's get to Jack Flaherty. The last two games for him, last two performances, not great. Post-game press conferences, well, not his finest work there either. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The front office should never have told Jack that he was the ace when they knew he had a hurt shoulder this year. How could he be an ace? He's serviceable at best. And even if he has his decent stuff, he's still only going to be serviceable because that shoulder isn't going to hold up. That was Janet leaving us a mic drop. You can participate in the show as well with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. And to gain access to it, it's easy. Just go to your mic drop or go to your 101 ESPN app and the mic drop feature. You can leave us a mic drop about anything we're talking about today. And Janet, uh, we love hearing from Janet. We love from hearing from all of you. So let's get into the Jack Flaherty conversation. He allowed three runs in five innings last night versus the Cubs. He allowed seven hits in the performance. One of one of which was a two-run home run that he allowed to Dansby Swanson. He walked five in that game and somehow lowered his ERA uh, because his ERA is at six point one eight at this point. It, the rotation spot. I don't know if we're there yet, Jamie, with the rotation spot because I don't For know. Flaherty. Yeah, you're not there. If you didn't send Stephen Matz to the bullpen, you're not sending Flaherty. To the That's bullpen. very true. It's not just the performances. 
Here's the exchange last night, and I believe I believe Derek Gould is asking the questions. Derek Gould of the Post. It started with Jim Hayes, the cat. Talked, asked. He's the first one to ask Jack Flaherty about the velocity. Yes, that was a big topic. Fluctuation or dips, and then Derek followed up, and Jack didn't like either of them for this. You'll hear the entire conversation, but let me just add a little context here. One of the reasons why Jim Hayes and or Derek Gould or anybody covering not only the Cardinals but any other team in baseball, when they see a starter's velocity velocity dipping, either dramatically through a start or if it's a sequence of starts and the velocity is dipping, that could be an indication of many things. It could be an indication of injury. It could be uh, an indication of... Uh, bad, you know, something off with the mechanics, bad pitching, fatigue, mm-hmm. anything. So that is why you ask about the velocity. Well, and to 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 add more context to this, and we will get to the audio. Trust me, I know we're, we're forty two minutes of context. Then you'll hear three the, hours yeah. later. <laughs> um, so, to to more context to it is, I guess BT and Chip were talking about it during the broadcast, and just you know noticing that there's a velocity change so they asked ollie marmel who gets interviewed first before the players do about it ollie didn't really have a great answer or any answer for that matter so then they followed up so they were doing their due diligence jimmy the cat was doing his due diligence and so was Derek gould without further ado here's that interaction last night post game with jack flaherty i'm not gonna answer another question about like i'm gonna play with the velocity of my fastball based on what the game calls for so I, I can get outs at 90, I can get outs at 95. Like, it's like I'm going to play with it. I've always played with it. I've, I've thrown freaking fastballs at 87 before in games when I've been at my best. Like, I'm not answering questions on, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying because y'all want to make a big deal out of it, and I'm tired of it. Like, I'm not like, – it's so ridiculous. Like, I'm, I've thrown I've, – I'm gonna go for what the game calls for, and that's that's part of pitching. So if you want to ask about it, you don't understand the art of pitching. Like, I'm gonna go with what it, the situation calls for, what the game calls for. But you have to manage pitch counts. You have to manage the way that the game goes. Like, there's certain times where you up it, and you're gonna now you're gonna start seeing four, five, six, and there's certain times you might be able to be like, okay, here, you know, okay, we, you know, situation calls for you, bump it back up. Like, it just that's the way the game goes. So you so you that's that's the way that you go about the game. Jack. We don't know. Well, then you don't understand pitching, and that's okay. Say that again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, what you, you said I don't understand pitching. That's that, that's the way that. No, it's, we, we just don't feel like we should guess. We want your answer so we can quote you and give it to the fans. Okay, Derek. What are we saying? For the record, I asked that because in the broadcast they were saying there are times when a pitcher will throw at a certain velocity with the fastball for certain reasons. They were discussing it. That's why I asked. I appreciate it, Jim. I appreciate it. Yeah. You just play with it the way that the game goes. There's certain times you you up your velocity, and there's certain times that you can play with it. We are a family show mostly, so our apologies to anybody that uh, might have their kiddo in their car. Yeah. Flaherty's talking about playing with it. Uh, Jamie, your thoughts? Your thoughts on that interaction with uh, Jim Hayes and Derek Gould last night? Yeah, it's, again, to set the stage properly, um, Ollie Marmel was asked about it first, and he didn't have a valid answer. He literally said, well, we're going to have to talk to Jack about it. Do you have that audio, Marshy? 
It's super quick. Okay. But here, so listen closely. This is Ollie Marmel's answer was when asked about Jack's velocity. Yeah, there's times where it was 88, 89, and then a couple pitches later he'd pop a 94, but it was in and out of that. Yeah, I agree. There is a follow-up where he says, we're gonna, we'll are gonna, we talk to Jack about it. Mm-hmm. So I look at this several ways. One, Jack Flirty, you're not playing well. You're frustrated. Man, I get it. I get it. But the starting pitcher can't hide from the media. You can't. That's just like in a team sport, a lot of times, if you have a bad game, you just <laughs> slide into the trainer's room real quick and just get out of there. And then, ah, oh, he wasn't available. Starting pitcher has to be available. So he's got to answer the questions, but you got to grow up. At some point, Jack Flirty has to mature as an individual and a player. He is not playing well right now. There is fluctuation in velocity on his fastball, to which he admits he can't locate right now. Then he admits that he's had tough time with lefties, so he's pitching around them. So basically, voluntarily walking them on base, which is why he has so many double plays this year, is because he's putting guys on base. So when these things are happening, you can't sit there and get standoffish with the media. You cannot. It was a valid question from two people who are very well respected in the media. Jim Hayes has been doing it forever with Fox Sports Midwest and now Bally Sports Midwest. He's around that team every single day. And Derek Gould is maybe one of the best in the business. I mean, nationally. You can't do that. You can't push back with that that adolescent attitude. Embrace it. Or just lie. Honestly, just lie. Like, I don't know who tells these guys... Uh, media training or anything like that, just just lie. And what I mean by that is, hey, what's up with the velocity? No, say, if I'm Jack Flaherty and if I am injured and I don't want to deal with these questions and they don't understand baseball, you make it easy. Hey, as a pitcher, strategically, sometimes we vary the velocity depending mm-hmm. on the hitter and the situation. I can get it up there about 94, 95, but I drop it too to mess up some of the timing. Yeah. So it's something I'm, I'm working with this year. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, okay. That's an answer. Sure. And we're done. Then everybody keeps the feet moving, and mm-hmm. you're on to the next question. That's it. Because you're talking to two professionals, if you were injured, if you were if you were dealing with something, that one's easy, too. You look at both guys and say, off the record. That's it. That's all you have to <clears> say. <throat> That's a tough one there, because Bally's is running the camera at that time. Well, you can also go to them. Afterwards. Afterwards. And say, here, look, this is you know th- this is what's going on. Yeah, do not report it. No, and they won't. They won't. Because That's happened you, hundreds of times. Because you shatter the relationship if you do that and for no reason. Derek Gould, Derek Gould, and Jim Hayes, and everybody else that covers the Cardinals, you don't want to shatter that relationship just to get just to have that that information out. It doesn't make any sense. So you could do that, or Jamie, like you said, you vary the speeds. You guys know sometimes you vary the speeds. Yeah, whatever. And and like keep the feet moving. To go the condescending route, which is exactly what Jack Flaherty did. You don't did, know baseball. Like, come on, man. First of all. You tell 95% of the population that. Exactly. Come on. Derek Gould and Jim Hayes aren't pitchers. You're right, Jack. Saying that publicly does nothing for you. The, you're the pitcher. That's why they're talking to you. After another bad outing in which your velocity dipped, Justin Verlander will vary his fastball speed throughout the course of a game so that if he does get the, to the ninth inning, 
he still has 98 in the tank. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows this. So to go that route, well, you just don't understand pitching. I'm sorry. When did Derek Gould last take the pitchers <laughs> take a pitcher's mound? I, and I just forgot about it. Yeah. So pointing that out does does you no good. You look like a condescending ass. That's what it. That's what it looks like. Well, I don't. I, I don't like it. If I'm the manager or the team or leader, Adam Wainwright or anybody like that, I, I probably address it a little bit. Uh, look, Adam Wainwright. He was on this morning with the opening drive, and Randy asked him a very blunt question. Wayno did not like the question, but he paused, got his answer together, and then he answered it the best he could. Mm -hmm. So hats off to both Wayno and Randy for asking the question because it needed to be talked about, which is the Contreras situation. If you missed that interview, by the way, it's on the website, 101ESPN.com or the mobile app. Download the podcast, brought to you by Dobbs. Right. Uh, we get one here from the 618. It says, Jamie, I believe that he, he said something about his first answer about varying the speeds. He did talk about that, but he said it in a pushback way. Like, it wasn't like he was pol politely answering the question. We had another t text that says, well, he was uh, answering Derek the way he was talked to, speaking to him the way he was the way he was spoken to. No, if you listen to the beginning of that interview, Derek's not even the one who asks right. the question. It's Jim Hayes. Jim Hayes asks it, and he pushes back right away. You don't know baseball. And then Derek follows up, be like, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Derek checked him, it, which, is, which is unlike Derek, by the way. I, I this don't... is a couple of times in a row now. We know the last time Jack Flaherty had a start. We had all the reports from inside the clubhouse. He was throwing stuff and wasn't happy and came back and like, okay, let's get this over with type thing to the media. Mm -hmm. What do you think is going to happen, man? Right. Like, I don't get these guys. I, the, I don't get it. Anthony, hang on. I don't get how these athletes just push back against the media. Two things here. One, play better. I know that's an easy thing to say, but play better. Two... The media can absolutely pulverize you. If you don't like the media, treat them even nicer. Don't give them a reason to put nasty things out there. Because these reporters, believe it or not, they respect the athlete who is still courteous to them, knowing they have a job to do, knowing they have to put food on the table for their families. I've never been mad at a, at a reporter, even if they come at me with a, an awful question. I'll just answer it nicely, politely, give it, and then move on. And then when I do have a bad game or something that happens or, or there's an injury, you do. You grab the guy and say, hey, listen, man, I don't really want to talk about that right now. You know, but, And they respect it. Yeah. And then they'll write something nice about you. Or, yeah, bad game for Rivers, but recently he's been playing a little bit better. Like, yeah. They'll fluff it a little bit because y there's a mutual respect there. Sure. Doing it this way, you get no mutual respect. And then, unfortunately... I don't believe Derek Gould to be this way, but some members of the media then go looking for the negatives. Yeah, and I don't think I Derek's not that guy. I completely agree with you. In fact, I thought that was out of character for Derek to say, "What was that?" Because that I have I have been in media scrums with with Derek Gould before, where and I won't mention I won't mention who this is, but this person was incredibly unprofessional with Derek, and Derek just. Kind of kept as as Jamie, you like to say, kept the feet moving, and was and and took the high road with it. So for Derek to be like, I'm sorry, I missed that. What? And it kind of did I hear that right? That's uncare. So there's there's a level of frustration maybe on both sides. Here's the here's the Don't bottom line. Him. Here's the bottom line. 
The last two starts have not gone well for Jack Flaherty. And the last two starts, there's been an indication that the pitching staff is, you know, they're throwing things that don't make sense, i.e., the catcher, the catcher's not, you know, not not Can't putting be the together. Catcher's good. fault this time, and and well, maybe it's the media's fault now. How many catchers you got to go through? Is it time for a Barrera to catch? Because I guess so. Contreras didn't do it right. He blamed him for pitch calling, mm-hmm. even though his placement sucks. And now, what is it? Kisner's fault? Apparently, yeah. I don't know, Jack. Go go find a catcher. If it's going to make you pitch the way you think you can pitch, go, go for it. Go sign a guy. Yeah. Here, here's a contract. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie mentioned Adam Wainwright. We will get into the Wainwright conversation a little bit later on in the fast lane with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate everybody listening today. Is City struggles, well, it's approving one specific player's worth. And you're not going to want to miss what Taylor Twelman said about this uh, the City group. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. St. Louis support right in that corner as well. Here's the in-swinger, all the way to the back post, it's headed in! St. Louis will take it, they'll rush back to the center circle! They finally have a goal, it's 2-1! Unfortunately, the City lost by that exact tally, 2-1. Last night against Chicago in the Open Open Cup round of 32, City will take on Chicago in a regular season game coming up this weekend. We know revenge that, game, some are calling it. Oh, what? The revenge game. Yeah, the revenge game, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Berkey didn't play last night. Some of the other starters didn't play last night, so that, that does have Why to... Why did Berkey not play? Well, you need him for this weekend. Well, I'm sorry, he can't play two games in a row? No, it's a lot. I'm being serious. Why? The I heck? don't know. Like, if you're going to play in these tournaments, why not play them to win them? I, like, I don't know. Maybe I don't question. understand. There, there must be a reason. I, I don't play to win, reason. though. I'm with you. Zhao Klaus... Is somebody that has, you know, has, has been banged up. The injury occurred a, a few weeks ago. I don't think anybody's debating whether or not this guy makes a, a massive difference for City. We've seen it. We've seen it time and time again. He's City's leading scorer. He's somebody that is unique in that. You know, at one point in when we were when I was doing the notes seg- segment, I can't remember which team it was, but they had five defenders around him, and he still he still made a play. Yeah. 
this is somebody that is very difficult to deal with around the net. So I think I don't think there's really any question that City is missing him, and you know he's he continues to prove his worth. But I think he's done that all season. Well, Klaus has got five goals in nine games. The next closest to him is Giacchini with three goals in eleven games, and and Stroud has three goals as well in nine games. But we call him the Klausdale. He is. He's your he's your horse up front, and he's a big, strong guy, and he makes a difference. So whatever's going on there, they got to get him back as soon as possible. But this is a team right now where, and this is just my opinion, they had to turn it around here. It, it hasn't been fantastic for them here. You know, they've got the uh, the the loss, then the, the draw, then the loss. Well, Taylor Taylor Twelman was talking about, of course, Taylor Twelman from St. Louis High, you know, one of the more decorated players to ever come out of this area. I thought this this was interesting. This tweet was interesting. So he started off by pointing out something you just did. Since April 1st, City SC have only won once against MLS opponents. Depth is an issue without Klaus, but the struggle has been when teams, quote-unquote, force them to dictate the game, they've struggled. So again, I'm going to read this again. Depth is an issue without Klaus. So that that comes with the territory. You're missing one of your key players. Depth is an issue. Depth is an issue. It's going to be an issue for any team that's that's dealing with an injury to a key player. But I thought this part was interesting. They, str- they they've struggled when teams force them to dictate the game. And I think we've seen that. I don't know soccer very well, Jamie. I've illustrated that, but. We we've kind of seen when they when they've possessed the ball a lot when they have when they they basically have had kind of they they've been able to dictate games they almost get out of rhythm and then then you start to see the breakaways going the other way we have talked to enough city players and you know the team members that have discussed we want to play that suffocating style of defense and then then get on the fast break offensively you know attack mm-hmm. up the field offensively it seems like when teams have done that to them that is that is that has been an issue for city well you're going to have growing pains as a franchise you're going to this is still the first year for the entire team being together and i know that every year teams have roster changes and movements but you still retain a good portion of your players and you add new pieces, whether it's via free agency or trade or however you picked them up in the offseason. But this is a whole brand new bunch of guys. So any adversity that they're facing, they're facing it for the very first time as a group. So whether it's teams uh, that are now strategizing to play a certain way or a certain style against them, or if they've realized that certain things work, like the book is kind of out on them now. You've made They've played enough games now to where you see patterns and certain consistencies in their systems. And you also see where they've lacked execution or where they struggle at times, and teams are going to try and take to, to take advantage of That's what their job is. Mm-hmm. The, the coaching staffs for other teams, that's what their job is, to expose your weaknesses. So now you got to flip the script again. If you're Bradley Carnell or you, and you're the players for St. Louis City SC, uh, not that you have to flip the script on what your strategy is or your style of play, but you need to identify when the other team is trying to do certain things to counter it and then have a counter for that. Right. So that's where I'm at with this is this is an expansion team that has far exceeded our expectations, I believe. I don't want to speak for you guys, but I think no, they yeah, have. Agreed. And now, you know, they're running into some expansion team problems at the you know 11 game mark. 
and they got to fix it. That's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter again. Chicago versus St. Louis, a regular season game Saturday night at Soldier Field. Actually, it's not even a night game. It's a, it's a noon start for City as they, again, take on Chicago in Chicago at Soldier Field. As Jamie illustrated, it will be a revenge game for City SC. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Are the Cardinals finding success because of one specific thing that, that fans, and I, Jamie, I think you and I too, have become a little frustrated with. Have they turned the tides in one certain area? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey guys, this is how I feel about Paul DeYoung for whatever that's worth. Um, for the last few seasons, I've really hoped that the Cardinals would trade him or even release him just because you can tell he is such a good dude, you hate to see him struggle. So I am hoping that, that what we're seeing is real, and actually I believe it is real. The question is, when the league adjusts to this new swing of his and potentially finds a weakness in it, will Pauly be able to then readjust back? That mic drop was from Robert. He was talking about... Paul DeYoung. Paulie D, baby. Paulie D, who homered last night, third home run of the season. He's only he's got three home runs in 44 plate appearances, helped the Cardinals beat the Cubs last night, and for the first time all year, put together a winning streak. So that's fun. We'll get to the Cardinals and whether or not they're finding success because of one thing that I feel like fans and us, Jamie, have, have really griped about. But we're going to hand out some Aerosmith tickets right now. Let's go, baby. So your opportunity to win a pair of Aerosmith tickets. October 26th is the concert date. It's at Enterprise Center. And they're going to team up with special guests, the Black Crows. Tickets for Aerosmith's farewell, farewell tour are on sale right now. But again, you can text in to 314-399-9646 to win a pair of tickets right now just by answering our trivia question and being the 101st texter to uh, our Air Comfort Service tax line. Here's your question. Rockin' Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith. Aerosmith has their own roller coaster at uh, Walt Disney World's resort. Which park is it? Oh, I thought you were giving away the answer Which right with the question. Which park Anthony. is it? You almost screwed that up. No, I didn't. Okay. I, I have to set it up. I don't want I don't want people texting in. Well, it's at Walt Disney World. You're right. But which park? So if you have the correct answer to that, oh, I know that one. So again, which it's the uh, Nevada. Which which park is Aerosmith's roller coaster located at uh, Walt Disney World? Hmm. It's a real creative question, Anthony. Thank you, Jamie. Are the Cardinals finding success because of consistency? They're starting what? to use, and not just consistent play. That would be obvious, but Jamie, it it feels like, and maybe it's just because of the injuries. Or maybe it's because of the Wilson Contreras situation. But I feel like Ali is starting to lean on certain guys and just rolling with it, which is something that, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, you and I have wanted to see. I know fans have wanted to see that too. Figure out who you want to roll with, get some consistency there, mm-hmm. and maybe you'll start winning games. And when they move Wilson Contreras from catcher to DH – Kisner into the lineup, and Kisner's done a nice job. He's done a real nice job. 
the last couple of days. Kiss Daddy's doing great. The offense Offensively, is kicking I'm in, saying. too. Yeah. Nolan Gorman's been your second well, baseman. Look at that guy. He's kicking out offense. He's got Wilson Contreras under his wing. He's throwing people him. out. He's, what, <laughs> he's a mentor? Yeah. To the guy that won the World, the World Series? Yeah. He's got veteran status on him. Anyways, Nolan Gorman's your second baseman. Paul DeYoung and Tommy Edmond have been your shortstop. You're a, you already know you got the corners. And it feels like Ollie's starting to settle in on, on the outfield. Carlson is swinging a better bat. Newt Barr, we're starting to see the power. Yeah. Brandon Donovan has been very good defensively for you. Diving catch last night. Is Tommy Edmond at risk? As long as Paul DeYoung is hitting, yes. And Contreras is not your catcher. That's what I mean. Yes. So last night watching the game, I'm going... Like Tommy Edmonds at risk, unless or, or is it Brendan Donovan? Like which one of those two is at risk? Because let's be honest, Tommy Edmond can play outfield as well. So not like that throwing guys out at the plate, making diving catches. You stop it. Well, he was Mister Utility Man two years ago till the new Mister Utility Man got here last year in Brendan Donovan. You're right. So my point is though, because of the Contreras traffic jam that you've created now. You got Gorman who has to play in the field, and you should because that guy just does nothing but murder baseballs this year. <laughs> I mean, come on, right? Another home run last Another night. Another home run last night. Thank you very much, by the way. Yeah, Jamie's on the board. I'm on the board, baby. But Which kind of disgusted me because my guy, Paul DeYoung, hit the home run late. I felt bad for you. because I really, I did. I really did. did. I was happy to see Paul DeYoung hit home run, and I felt bad for you for a second. But <laughs> the the point I'm making here is that now... Paul DeYoung, Nolan Gorman are raking. Wilson Contreras is your DH. If Tommy Edmond or Brendan Donovan start to struggle, they're at risk. And I don't mean like to be DFA'd and all that stuff. Just like playing Losing time. playing time. Absolutely. I mean, it's a good problem to have as a manager to where you have guys that are so successful that other good players aren't in your lineup. But at the same time, it's kind of like, oof. I think Tommy this had, is all caused by the DH problem you're having. He, certainly, and before it was the outfield problem. You had the lo- you had the log jam in the outfields. You can move to a defensive, more defensive minded. You know, you get a lead, and then you could start mixing in some of your defensive players. So it's not like Tommy Edmond has to be on the on the on the shelf the entire game. No, you can mix him. It you can put him at second base later in the game. That if you got. It sucks because you're taking off Gorman and you get a home run at any point. But if you want to go that route, you can start mixing a match in there. But the bottom line is I would rather see a set nine for the most part moving forward. Mm. I don't think you have, as much as you like the flexibility, Mo has been striving for this for a while. We've talked about it. Mm-hmm. He's striving for this flexibility with your roster. Oh, we can mix and match. We got every matchup covered. No, you don't. Because you got guys not knowing when they're going to play, or maybe they sit for two games and then they or get back in. Maybe they're not as good as you thought. Or they're not as good as you thought. I like the fact there's a more stagnant lineup. We'll see if it continues, though. My biggest question regarding this whole thing is I, I want to see what happens here when there's a lefty on the bump. Well, we'll find out tonight. Because Nolan Gorman, does he does he keep him in there, or does he go Edmund at second, DeYoung at short? What are we, We've talked about it. Uh, Jamie. Illinois has got the same laws as Missouri. (laughs) You cannot allow Nolan Gorman to face a lefty. You can't do it here in Missouri, and you can't do it 
across across state lines to Illinois. That, it's right, illegal, Anthony. and Ollie knows it. Yep. He's going to get hauled away if he puts Gorman into a game when a lefty's on the bump. You know that, Jamie. I'm tired of going over this. I apologize. I think right now it doesn't make sense to have him pitch or uh, hit against left-handed pitchers. I know I was the one who was bringing up the, oh, he needs to hit against lefties. Oh, he's got the flip-flop. He's got, his, he's, got his flip, he's got his flip-flops on. Oh my God, does he I ever? I have my Hey Dudes on. Yeah, well, you flip-flop. My goodness. Well, Hey Dude, you flip-flopped. Yeah, you did. Anthony. Tommy Edmond, he's been hitting well, right-handed. I leave Brennan Donovan in left field. The guy has made great play after great play after great play in the outfield. I don't know if Alec Burleson makes those plays, and I don't know if you win these games hey, if Marsh. he's in the outfield. Marsh, you know. You know he's not Cardinals those. don't have a three-game win streak if Brendan Donovan is, in, is not in left field. There's no way Burleson oh. is throwing out Madrigal He wouldn't get to the ball. He'd still ago. be running for it right <laughs> he now. He still would be running for That's it. That's unfair. You know what? I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. Burleson, a professional baseball player, I shouldn't do that. I take it back, Alec. I respect your game. You're just not a very fast runner. That's fine. It's not your strong suit. It's not your strong suit. Yeah. And he didn't ask for that kind of abuse. All he did is want to get at bats. I'm sorry, Alec, that you feel that way. Whoa! I didn't see. Whoa. I actually didn't see that one coming. Wow. I thought Jamie was kind of going the 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 classy professional route there. No, I really am. I shouldn't say that stuff. I'm an idiot sometimes. I mean that part. Hmm. I am too. Well, yeah, you are. Yeah. Jeremy Rutherford, he's no idiot. He's going to join us next. We'll talk about the Blues as they get a little closer to that June 28th first round. We know that because the NHL wants uh, the Chicago Blackhawks to have the number one overall pick, that the Blues won't have the first or second pick. But we'll talk to JR about the draft and uh, some other Blues-related off-season storylines next on 101 ESPN. The Art of Idiocracy. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. 303, your time check is brought to you by Collection Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Congratulations to Jason from Cottage Hills. He's going to go see Aerosmith with special guest The Black Crows on October 26th at Enterprise Center because he had the correct answer to our trivia question, which was Aerosmith's got a roller coaster at Walt Disney World. But what, what resort, which park is the roller coaster located at? Correct answer is Hollywood Park. That's right. Hollywood. Wally World, son. Yep. That's what I said to him. Wally World, son. <laughs> Over the end of that. Welcome to St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeremy Rutherford joining us right now. He's our Blues Insider with The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at JP Rutherford. Uh, JR, are you, are you shocked? Shocked that the Blues didn't get the first or second pick in the lottery. <laughs> shocked. I'm more shocked that uh, Chicago got it. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> How yeah, rigged is the NHL uh, left, uh, draft it's lottery? It's completely rigged. Yeah, <laughs> cut the soundbite. It's completely rigged. This thing, gosh, no. You know, I had three uh, colleagues, uh, sports writers, in the room when they did the drawing there with Gary Bettman, and all three of them swear by it. You know, obviously it was done in advance before the TV show, so you got to believe what uh, what you see with your own eyeballs, I guess. They were paid. Your colleagues yeah. were paid. <laughs> 
Some were saying that uh, some of the balls are frozen. It makes them heavier and drops them to the bottom, JR. We disagree right. with that. We totally right. disagree yeah, with that. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know what? I don't believe that it's rigged, but there has to be something that you could do with those balls to make it, you know, either pop up heavy, frozen, light, whatever. There's got to be something that you could do to those things. There always is, for sure. Jer, there's a lot of things you can do, for sure, uh, to achieve the desired outcome that you're yeah. looking for. Uh, so now that we know that the Blues, are, they will have that 10th pick. Of course, they'll have the, the back-to-back first-round selections at the end of the round as well. What are you hearing in terms of draft strategy, philosophy? I'm sure that it's very difficult to figure out, you know, you kind of know the players that could be in that range, but who the Blues are specifically targeting. But when it comes to draft philosophy, what do we know? Yeah, here's what we know, and this is straight from the horse's mouth. Doug Armstrong, I uh, met up with him for a couple hours yesterday in Clayton, but there's a good and a bad uh, side of talking to uh, the general manager because, A, he seems like he's giving you pretty good information, but at the same time, <laughs> doesn't he want to get the word out that he's got all these options and things that he wants to do and you know, wants other teams to, to see and read uh, what he's thinking? And, and so uh, he did lay it out on the table yesterday, guys, talking about the options with those late first-round picks that they got from Toronto and also New York Rangers. You know, Still saying that you could use both of picks and, and bring in two prospects, that you could trade one of them down uh, and pick up perhaps two second-round picks for one of those guys. And he also mentioned the possibility of trading one of them, one of them for an established NHL player. And I said, have you identified those guys? Are there guys out there that you think could come in like a Kapanen, like a Verena, and help this team? And he said yes, but he did want to give those other teams 10 or 14 days to decompress after they, uh, their season ended. And so he said he's going to wait just a little bit longer before he reaches out to make those phone calls and see if those guys are available. Well. Now I'm going to be diving into the teams that just got eliminated and have a look at that, uh, what could be possible there. But there's a guy that I find intriguing, JR, and I want to get yep. your thoughts on it because I think that I think that the number for this guy would be probably right, and I like his style of play and the fact that he has a lot of offensive upside and he's displaying it again. But what do you think of Max Domi? Max, Max Domi. First of all, Riv, i got to give it to you. You, you use all the pronouns he and his, and now you're going to put me on the spot and then uh, throw the name out there at the last second. That's gotta, right, buddy. You know, come by. <laughs> Can't you just say Max Domi at the beginning of the question? No, I want, I, want, I want organic, in-the-moment <laughs> answers, JR. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. And, hey, Dallas likes them, too, enough to, uh, you know, that last game that uh, Chicago played against Max Domi late in the season, that's what caught the Stars' eyes, and they really liked the way he played. And, and so uh, he's been good for the, the stars in that series. And, you know, he's a guy I think that could come in. You know, does, does he want to be part of what the Blues are doing? You know, he's an accent piece type player like the Blues seem to be bringing in and would probably fit with the number, like you're saying. It wouldn't be uh, too exorbitant. Well, what I like about it is a couple things. He's been moved around quite a bit in the last handful of seasons. Uh, but doing background check on him, his teammates really like him. He's a very right. coachable, good guy. It just in certain places, he's been the one that's been able to be moved. And in Chicago, talking to Luke Richardson, he said he was fantastic here. It was a horrible situation all year long because the team was obviously tanking. You know, Luke Richardson didn't say that, but they didn't have the players. But he said Max Domi was a consummate professional. He's a good leader. And then you watch his style of play. He can skate really well. He's, he's fast. He gets in on the forecheck. He's not afraid to be physical. He'll throw the mitts down if he has to, but he also has enough high-end skill to play on a power play. 
I just feel like yeah, he's kind of tailor made for what we're looking for. Yeah, that's what they're looking for. And, you know, obviously it wasn't a good situation in, in Columbus either for him. So he has bounced around a little bit, but seems to have found a, a stride here with Dallas. And the things that you mentioned, the skating and the forecheck, you know, if Doug Armstrong's looking for players in that 26, 27 year range, uh, he's a guy who can come in and help. You know, I, I think we can all agree that you don't get a lot of that from uh, Verona. He's not that type of player. He's got the speed. But it necessarily wasn't there in terms of the defensive play and, you know, the forecheck. But you do get that with Kapanen, and I think you get it with Domi, too. So if you're looking to add those types of players, Riv, I'm right there with you. He fits that category. Jeremy Rutherford is our Blues insider with The Athletic, and he's joining us right now on the fast line on 101 ESPN. Anything else that you can share from your conversation with Army that was, again, something that you can share and that could be interesting? Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, uh, you know, it was about two hours long, and the first uh, 20 minutes or so were about that draft. And, you know, what they could do with these picks. I did ask him about Bedard going to Chicago, and he said, yeah, well, yeah. Didn't they Didn't they move up to get Kane, too? Yeah. So you, you can kind of tell the uh, sarcasm there. With, Army knows what's with, up. <laughs> with Chicago uh, moving up. But I'll tell you guys, the bulk of the interview yesterday, and I'm really excited about this piece when I'm able to sit down and work on it, the Blues have had 10 years, 10-plus 10 years, we all know, of sustained success under Doug Armstrong. You look at the points percentage, you look at all the categories, goals against, goals for, everything. I saw a stat yesterday. Uh, the Blues are the only team in the last 10 years to win the Stanley Cup, and they did not have a number one or number two overall pick. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back and look at the last 10 years of sustained success with the Blues under Doug Armstrong. And what I did, guys, I went blow by blow, transaction by transaction, signing by trade, by coaching decision, by coaching fire, by coaching hire. And I asked Doug Armstrong about each of them, and he was pretty open about all that stuff. And so we'll probably break it into a two-parter, maybe do 2010 to 2015, 2016 to current, and roll through everything. Well, I can't wait to read that. It sounds Honestly, it sounds like it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, so again, for our listeners, get over to the, uh, to the athletic Jeremy Rutherford or JP Rutherford on Twitter, uh, JR uh, changing gears a little bit here from hockey. I want to talk about media and player relationships because obviously today, Jack Flaherty, uh, you know, he's taken some heat for the way he handled some of the dialogue last night, post game with Derek Gould and Jim Hayes originally, how hard is it sometimes for members of the media to, one, develop that relationship and that trust with the athlete and then not take it personally when something like that happens? Yeah, it's really hard. It really is. And the key to it, you know, Derek, Jim, all these people that have been in the locker room for years will tell you is getting in on the ground floor with some of these guys. You know, have an interaction with a Robert Thomas when he first gets here and kind of creating that credibility with them and and not only that but uh creating the credibility you have as a journalist going into that locker room every day obviously Derek Gould and uh and Jim Hayes have that uh but you know you you get put in these situations where uh, you're you're never friends with these guys but you just grow close to them because you see them every day and you work with them so there's a working relationship with them but then what happens you know maybe there's some bad play how many times this year you know were we talking about Jordan Bennington or Jordan Cairo and you know, I needed to come on the air and tell you guys what I thought was the truth, and then the next day walk up to his locker and try to have a conversation with him. So I think what you have to do is have a, a working relationship where they know that you've got to be honest, you've got a job to do, you're going to come ask tough questions, and you have to, as the athlete, I think, Riv, 
is is engage in the conversation. You know, you can't have a situation like Flaherty where you're blowing it off and it looks like it looks. You know, I think these guys are just coming in and doing their job. So, you know, whenever you cross the athletes like this, I, I just kind of shake my head that, you know, they need to open up and, and realize that this is part of the job and that's not how you treat these guys. Yeah, okay, so let's let's stick with that for a second. If you right now could be in front of a, a room of young professional athletes, what is the what is the one thing or what is a couple of things that you would tell them as far as handling media situations that maybe aren't favorable for them? Yeah, and I think that they need to get some instruction from the teams, which I do think they get. But if it were me, if I were in the room, you know, as you set up this hypothetical, I would just say, hey, look, you're going to have a fat bank account. You're going to have fans at every corner, you know, telling you how great you are. You're not going to care about the media. In fact, you're probably going to hate the media after a year or two because it's every day coming up asking you why the power play isn't working out. But just give them the time of day. Just respect them. They're just coming in to do their job. And guess what? You know, the media are people, too. You know, if you want to have an attitude and you want to, you know, hide behind the scenes and back in the trainer's room and don't want to come out and answer the questions that we've got to ask, it's probably going to get tougher on you. It really is. And so you got the world by the tails. But, hey, this is part of the job. You know, I give it to Jordan Bennington. A lot of times when he comes out and talks to us and we ask some tough questions, you know, afterwards I'd, I'd say to him, you know, hey, thanks for coming out and doing this. And he says, hey, it's part of the show. You got to do it. It's part of the show. So, you know, I think there are some players that get it, and hopefully they pass it on to the younger players because perhaps, you know, Riv, it probably doesn't do much for me if I would just say that to those guys, but it probably means a lot more coming from a veteran guy. Plus you guys are a conduit to the fans. I mean, you're you're there. You're, you're trying to. You know, fans have questions. They don't have the access, and you're trying to ask questions that fans are, are going to discuss about. And fans will grow not only the the game, but they'll, they'll grow the popularity of the athlete and the team. I, I agree. It's a great point. The only thing is, it's so hard to kind of illustrate. And and when I say this, I'm not trying to give the media any credit for being any conduit. It, it's a great job, and we get paid to do it. And you know, it's fun. Uh, but I think it's hard to illustrate to the players the point that you're making that hey uh, we're the conduit to the media to the to the fans so these are the people that fill up the seats and pay your paychecks you know so you can buy that Lamborghini and all they're <laughs> looking for all they're looking for is an explanation as to why you didn't back check last night so can you please come out and tell us so we can tell them right. so they can wonder why they spent two hundred dollars last night and didn't watch you back check so. You know, hopefully that's the case. And, you know, last point I'll make is it's just a lot different than it was 20 years ago, and Riv knows this. You know, I used to walk in the locker room and you interview Keith Kachuk or Doug Waite or Dallas Drake. They were reading the Post-Dispatch. They were reading your articles. But it's different now because these guys necessarily aren't, and so I don't think they see the connection as to why there needs to be an explanation, why they need to go a little more in-depth tell the fans what's going on. Well, JR, you know what? I, I think there's some truth behind that, but I also feel like – these players, they are seeing everything, a lot of them. They are. But this generation like to focus solely on when things are good. And they, they right. only click on the article when they had two goals the night before or three points or a shutout because that's just the way they are. They only want the positive reinforcement. It's, it's an accountability thing. And it's not all of them, yeah. but I feel like that's kind of what happens too. And – what better way than to change the narrative or at least give an explanation and to get out there, put yourself out there, answer the questions properly, and at least then you have a voice in the article. 
Yeah, sometimes I don't think they see that side of it. I, I really don't. At least I wonder. Like when when I have interactions like that with players, I scratch my head. Do they really see that they could have a voice in this if they'd really participate? And yeah, they do see stuff. You're right. It's just different. I remember Keith Kachuk used to basically walk in the locker room with the post patch in his hand, and he'd look at me and say, "What do you mean I didn't get back? You know what? You know." So you had you had conversations about that. Where today. You know, they're posting pictures of what they did last night on Instagram, and it's just a lot different. Well, Big Walt used to walk in with the newspaper because we didn't have the cell phones like that. So when he had to do his morning <laughs> visit to uh, the bathroom, he had something to read in there. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Big Walt's a beauty. JR, we appreciate you. Good stuff today, man. Thank you. Yep, yep. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. All right. That's Jeremy Rutherford at JP Rutherford on Twitter. You can follow him. Not only there, but check out his great work at The Athletic. Is this the best version of the Cardinals' outfield? We'll get to that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And the Cardinals lead. That ball bottled in left, but no further advance. Carlson with a line drive to left, and the Redbirds strike first. It's one to nothing. As this ball launched high in the air, deep right. That one's not coming back. Newt Bar halfway up the bleachers. And listen to the Cardinal fans. Long run down of it in left. Still coming, still coming. Lays out and makes a great catch. Some of the sounds of the last couple of nights at Wrigley Field. Chip Carey on the calls for Valley Sports Midwest. One of the guys that has had a great series thus far defensively has been Brennan Donovan. He made the diving catch last night. Of course, he threw out Nick Madrigal a couple of days ago to preserve a lead for the Cardinals in a game that was very close. Is this the the best version of the outfield? So far this season, it is. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree the same. Say, the way you put it, Jamie, I agree completely. Yeah, I mean, you haven't had a good combination thus far or a healthy combination of an outfield. And, and right now, you're getting good production from the outfield. You're getting good defense. It It's looking like it was supposed to look like in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not the names, but... No, well, two of them. New Barn Carlson. You sure. knew New Barn and Carlson were going to be in there, and you thought Tyler O'Neill would be the one, and then spring training happened, and then you had Jordan Walker, who was going to be an option. Yeah. Which I still think he will be at some point this season, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do, too. So, well, uh, this is the best version you've had so far. Yes. 100%. Tyler O'Neill, Tyler O'Neill's proven that he's injury prone. We've seen well, this now. You know what else he's proven, too? You can get by without him. Yeah, good point. And, and that's a dangerous spot to be in. As an athlete, as a player, when a team figures out that not having you in the lineup doesn't affect them, it's a bad spot to be in. Yeah, that's and a I, and I'm not really saying Tyler. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Tyler O'Neill's a bad player. I'm not, but because of his injury uh, problems that he's had, this team has learned to just win and do things without him. Mm-hmm. So then, why do you require this player then at that point? Plus, you gotta you gotta have good defenders in the outfield. There, if you have them, then you, if you're struggling and your offense has been inconsistent like it has, you you gotta rely on your defense. 
How many times do we see, and it's not just Alec Burleson, it has been Jordan Walker too, maybe misplay a ball, maybe misjudge a ball, not necessarily an error, but a ball that could have been caught had Newt Barr been out there or Carlson been out there. We still say if we still had Harrison Bader, that's an out. Certainly. But <laughs> you know at, I mean? at least at least the the routine plays are being made and some of those exceptional plays that Donovan has made over the last couple of games, at least that's there. If you're not going to hit, and Burleson has struggled offensively, if you're not going to hit and you're Alec Burleson, you can't be in the fields. Juan Yep, what, what's what's the issue with having Juan Yep as an Alec Burleson being your power off the bench late in a game? What's the what? What's the issue? There's no issue. Agreed. So have all. those have those guys be fourth? The issue fifth is outfielders. they're not going to get regular at bats because of your DH situation. Absolutely. Sorry. I know. That's that's what we're faced with right now. You got to win games. Developing at the big league level is extremely difficult. Ask Jordan Walker. They loved his off. They loved his off season. They loved his spring training. You heard. You watched the the interaction between Ollie and Jordan Walker when those two had their kind of their heart to heart. When Jordan Walker was being told that he made the team, he battled through adversity. He did all that, and he did. But he had a twelve game hitting streak, and then he really slumped. He won. There was no lift. Most of his sing. You know, most of his base hits were single singles. One play wasn't wasn't comfortable in right field, and the Cardinals were losing. It's very difficult to develop big league talents if the expectations are high. Yeah, and it's also, to my knowledge, it's also very difficult to develop within a baseball season at the major league level. There's only so much you can get done in a day, mm-hmm. and if playing a game that night. Is something that's going to happen, which it is. You don't get too many days off in Major League Baseball. Getting to work every single day, there's just a finite amount of time to do it. So therefore, to develop at the minor league level, even though they play a lot of games too, you're willing to ride it out, though, through the rough patches, and you're getting automatic playing time because that's what their job is, is to develop you with playing time. This is why you're not in the majors Mm -hmm. right now. Plus, so there's I, not 40,000 people in the stands watching you as as you what? struggle. What are you talking about? You ever been to a Peoria game? Well, Peoria is the exception, Jamie. I've never been. Still don't think it's 40,000. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the stadium? It's a nice little stadium. It, it really is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Dunk spent some time there. It's a blue-collar town. It certainly is. It certainly is. All right, it's a Fast Lane on 101 at ESPN. What's Trending is next. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Line here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I am Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, let's talk about some football here. The Jacksonville Jaguars will play twice in London in 2023. It's a first for any NFL team. Uh, they'll face the Miami Dolphins um, and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Anthony, I'm sorry. The Miami Dolphins will face the Kansas City Chiefs uh, 
in a marquee matchup. The NFL, the NFL announced today by the league. But the Jack, why are they playing two games over there? Because so here, they're the official London game. <laughs> they play the Falcons and the the Bills. Yeah, but here's my thoughts on it. Doesn't uh, Shad Khan own part of a soccer team over there? Ooh, good call. I think he does, and I think that um, I think that's why the whole Jacksonville to London narrative got kind of started was that he has money invested in a team over there as well. Yeah, firm, firm ham, full ham, full, full ham, ham yeah. FC, full, so, full ham FC. So I think that that's kind of why that's going on. He's willing. He's willing, like you said. He's got a he's got a team. Yeah. He's got a soccer team over there, but he's he's willing to have his team travel as much as it. Because m- most teams don't like it. It's not just the time change; it's the routine change. But they're there for two games back to back. I think. Are they back to back? I think that I 10, think... One, 10 eight. Yep, you're right. Yeah. That's it. Now, see, that's a smart way to do it. At yeah. least. You stay there for you know go there what five days early or whatever. Practice. Practice and you stay a shop. week. Yep. And it would be nice. I don't know if they'll do this. It'd be nice if they. Had the families join them. Yeah. Wife, kids, come over for a week in mm-hmm. London and play two games. Take part in all that London has to offer, Jamie. Yeah. Big Ben. I thought he, he doesn't retired. play anymore. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I can't seem to get to the outside. Hmm. It's problematic. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he... you know, you know, Anthony. Hmm. Big Ben again, kids. Here's the uh, the full 2023 NFL International Series slate of games. You have Anthony's Falcons taking on the Jags, which is October 1st. And then the Jags play back-to-back. They'll play the Bills. That first game is in London at Wembley Stadium. Uh, and then the Jags will then play at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So they're going to play in two different venues. Ruin uh, two different pitches. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. These, these football teams can't be too excited about the NFL rip, ripping up their their turf. Oh, pitch, please. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, the comment, Jamie, not the other thing. I've used it before. Yeah. Uh, then the Ravens, and, the Ravens and Titans will play each <laughs> other. Uh, Dolphins and Chiefs, like I mentioned earlier. And then the Colts and Patriots. The Dolphins and Chiefs and Colts and Patriots, they're playing in Frankfurt. So it looks Germany. like they're going back to Germany once again. Yeah, the Bucs played last year in Germany. Mm-hmm. Oh, beer I, and brats, baby. I like the I like the early Sunday morning games. Do you guys? I don't no. mind it. I don't mind it. Depends the, on the no, week. I don't like it. I don't like it. You don't like waking up? No, I like waking up, but I usually have a bunch of stuff I do in the mornings so that I can watch football in the afternoons. So sense. when you throw a game on in the morning, it screws up my entire routine, Anthony. I'm sorry, Jamie. Usually the game yeah, fault. The NFL usually the game kind of sucks, <laughs> though. Have. You're not, you know what? You're not wrong. The game's usually kind of bad. It usually has crap teams. Like, are, those games, are those games worse than the the Thursday night games, though? Well, not no. last year. That was a, a, the epitome of terrible. That was the worst I think there's Thursday only one game worth watching last year. All It the was whole, awful. But that was just because, like, a couple of the matchups that they had set up were supposed to be good matchups, but then the teams ended up being awful. Which you're subject to that every year. What are you going to do? Yeah, you can do the flex scheduling toward the end of the year, but you you can't do it during during the the start of the year. It's just it's difficult to have everything moved. But the Thursday night football games were absolutely terrible. Some of a lot of them were close. They were just terrible football games. Yes. I will say these Sunday morning games, if you're a fantasy football player, can be a bit tricky because I believe last year 
There was a situation with Alvin Kamara, and when they played the that Minnesota Vikings. That was in Vikings, Vegas, Marsh. That was a bad. Well, that was a different situation, Anthony. Probable. Probably a, uh, a much worse situation. Uh, but he ended up not playing that day. And so when people would wake up, they're like, hey, Alvin Kamara has zero points. Why is that? Oh, it's because he didn't play. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap. I should have set my lineup. I should have woke up. Yeah, Marsh, plan ahead. There's two things that I appreciate about you. Yeah. It's it's how serious you take your fantasy football, <laughs> and it's how serious you take your video games. Yeah. There's my man is locked in yeah, when it comes. Marsh had a full breakdown for me last week about what what game it was, was a it? Bullpen usage. The bullpen in, in usage in major in MLB the show. <laughs> he had a full breakdown for me. We were talking about you know people are like ah oh, you know Ollie should make this move. He should make that move. I'm like, listen. If you can, if you can't even make it's if not you can't easy. even make the correct move in a video game, what makes you think you can do it in real life? <laughs> that is a fair point. <laughs> I, like I said, I just like the I just like the passion. I love fantasy that, football. That you exhibit on that. And uh, yes, I did wake up early that morning and I took Kamara out of the game out nice of my job. lineup. Well, you're serious about it. I am. I am. Uh, also, sticking with football, the Jets and Dolphins to play in the first Black Friday game. So playing football on Black Friday, I'm not surprised. They've ruined Black Friday. Not the NFL, but... Who like, then? Just in general, like we're buying stuff on Thursday now. People are on Thanksgiving or, you know, you're not waiting in line for stuff. Mm-hmm. It's ruined. As, uh, it's way better now. As somebody that has worked, uh, that, that worked in two big box stores before getting into radio... I have no problem with Black Friday being ruined. <laughs> that that day was terrible. Well, from a business standpoint, it's genius to extend it because right. you can only get so much business done in one day. Right. Where if you spread it out, you mm-hmm. get a lot more sales that way. I just it's feel, all about the I feel, revenue. I feel bad days. for people having to to you know go in late on Thanksgiving and you know when I think they should the day off. I'm with you on that. And grocery stores, I feel like, do a pretty good job of that. They, most grocery stores will say, "Hey, we're only open till noon or right. something." We 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 want our employees to have the day off too. But after I'm done eating this turkey, I'm going to Walmart and I'm <laughs> buying a 60 inch screen. I'm gonna have to arm wrestle some guy for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll get, I use the Jamie Rivers tactics. Where I got the, you know the. Hey, don't be don't be I'm sharing. Not, I'm don't not be sharing, sharing that. Yeah, I'm just. I'm, just I'm glad we don't have cameras. Industry secrets. Yep. Don't want to ruin it, but... Uh. All right, that's what's trending here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Adam Wainwright joined the opening drive, as he always does. He did so today. And Randy Carricker asked him flat out about the Wilson Contreras situation. So you'll hear from that, and uh, you'll hear from Adam Wainwright on his thoughts. Do we all just have it wrong on the outside? Do we, have, do we just have the whole situation wrong when it comes to Wilson Contreras in this catching situation? You'll hear from Adam Wainwright next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Adam Wainwright joined the opening drive with Randy Carricker, Brooke Grimsley, and Kerry Davis earlier today, just as he does every day, every week throughout the baseball season. And one of the questions that and that Randy Carricker had, and I think 
Wayno first tried to deflect it, but eventually gave an answer to it, uh, was, of course, about the Wilson Contreras situation. And one of the things that Wayno had mentioned was that the outside, well, we just don't know what's going on. The thing about controversy is sometimes it's warranted and sometimes it's sort of warranted and then overplayed big time in the media. And, you know, sitting around after having great conversations with Wilson and our clubhouse is feeling great, won three games in a row, sitting around listening to everyone on the press. Uh, you know, yesterday I was throwing my bullpen session and there's a TV in the, in the bullpen and we were listening to Tony Kornheiser and that whole group talk about how, like, the Cardinals are ridiculous and, you know, we've blown everything out of proportion. And I'm like, wow, I, I guess more evident than ever that a lot of times on the outside you don't know what's going on on the inside. And, and uh, I, think, I think Wilson's, you know, I think we've cleared all that up. And I think we're in a really great spot as a team right now. Our team's feeling great. We're rolling a little bit. We've got our first winning streak of the year, which has happened before, just like me. And uh, I think the the report's coming out of there now. In fairness to the media, how would they know by not being in there, you know? But uh, I, I think it's, you know, it, it was newsworthy. But, you know, newsworthy sometimes, if you're bored, you'll create a giant story out of nothing. But that wasn't nothing. I mean, I, I understand that that was something. And, and uh, but just know that things have, you know, really, 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 really worked themselves out. It's come a long way, and and uh, it's great to have Wilson around. We love having Wilson around. He's again. That was Adam Wainwright on the opening drive. I will say this, Jamie. I I had mentioned when the Tyler O'Neill Ollie Marmel situation went down, and I was listening to a lot of the national media. I had a similar reaction to what Adam Wainwright said about this Wilson Contreras situation. I was like, okay, you guys are overblowing this. It happens. You speculate. We let's be honest here. We're on we're on radio. We talk about it. We share our opinions. Our opinions are probably overblown. We don't we're not on the inside. Jamie, you know that better than anybody being, you know, in in a locker room as long as you played. You don't know. You don't know when you but it is something that is being discussed, and like it or hate it, it's it is good for your sport. It's good for you know this situation might not be great for the Cardinals because it's there's a lot of negative backlash, but it it did force people to address it. And Adam Wainwright can say, "Hey, no big deal. We're throwing our support behind Wilson Contreras. You'll see. You'll all see. Great, cool. Winning's a cure all. You keep winning." Everybody will have egg on egg on the face on the outside. If you lose, the speculation will continue. That's just how it works. Yeah, Wayno knows. He knows why the media is asking these questions. Like he gets it, and he did say a number of times in in that interview with the opening drive. He did say, "I understand you know, the media." He does correct some of the things that he says about it. But he knows, like, you have an organization, and Randy Carricker, actually, his very first question um, of the interview was about the Contreras situation in the last five days, and Wayno was kind of taken aback a little bit by it, like a little little bit, like, standoffish, but then Randy explained, which was a great job by Randy, by the way, he explained that this organization doesn't have drama or things like this. I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. what Randy said right now basically said that there's not a whole lot of things like this that happen within this organization. So when something leaks out or happens like this, we want to know, like, how's everybody doing in the last four or five days? 
And to Randy's point, up until this season, we've never seen any of this stuff before. From the, I haven't really. I know there are little things here and there, but this seems to me like it's it's irregular. Well, this team's pretty boring overall. It is. Yeah, the Cardinal way is, quite honestly, it's is, great. Not, is to the, not be headline worthy. Certainly. In a negative way. There's only been a couple. Now, you've had two instances this year. You had the Tyler O'Neill thing, and then you had you, you had, had this, three now. Tyler O'Neill, Contreras, Jack Flaherty. Oh, Flaherty too. Yeah, that's true. But other than that, I mean, you have to you have to kind of go back a couple of years. There was, of course, the Correa scandal. Uh, but then, what is that? The, the the end of the Mike Matheny era mm-hmm. got a little hairy. Our guy Mark Saxon had some reports about you know the the the, the way that uh, who's a Bud Norris, I think. In the Cardinals bullpen, you know, the just whatever it's, it's not worth getting into. But when it came to when it comes to this organization, this is a pretty tight lipped, say all the right things. And again, at least from our standpoint in the media to cover it, it's it's, it's kind of boring. There's not a lot happening. So Randy's absolutely right when he says this has been an organization. He's been he's been around a long time. He's covered the Cardinals for uh, you know decades. Mm-hmm. He knows. This is not. This is pretty much a scandal-free organization, which is why it's surprising when you have a bad start, you sign somebody for eighty-seven and a half million, and then you're already moving him out of the position that he said that he wanted to play for, uh, play you know, play at for your organization. So, uh, the question is worth is worth asking. All right, here's Adam Wainwright talking about whether or not the starters are also to blame for this bad run. I think that whole stretch there, you know, we had a few outlier games. Monty was pitching great the whole time. He, you got to tip your hat to Monty. He was doing awesome. Uh, could have probably pitched deeper into a couple more games. And this last turn, you saw Steven Matz throw the ball really well. Uh, Miles has been pitching much better. So I think in that stretch where we were playing bad and finding ways to win, one of the big problems was we weren't getting enough, giving enough innings as starting pitchers. Okay, so – Marshy, can we go back to the beginning of that where he's talking about Monty for a second? Because Wayno, who is very not controversial, just sparked my attention with something that he said. Uh, could have probably pitched deeper into a couple more games. and Right there. Who's he talking to, do you think, at that point? Is he, ta- is he talking to Ollie through the media? He said, Monty, who's been great all year, you probably could have pitched deeper in a couple of those games. I'm not trying to spark anything here. I'm just You're fishing. I am not. You I'm are reading. fishing. <laughs> I am reading he's between the about, lines. He's talking about the staff. He's talking about the staff. Not the starter. Yet, the starters he? not pitching deep in the games. And he's right. Yeah, but you're telling me you don't hear that at all in that. I heard what he said. My interpretation of it is that he's talking about the staff and how the starters can pitch deeper in the games. Well, so why would he highlight the fact that Monty, who's been pitching great, probably could have pitched deeper in those games? I don't know if he's highlighting Monty in that situation. I think he came. He it came off the the Monty statement. No, play it again, please, Andrew. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that whole stretch there. You know, we had a few outlier games. Monty was pitching great the whole time. He, you got to tip your hat to Monty. He was doing awesome. Uh, could have probably pitched deeper into a couple more games. And... You think he's okay. talking about the staff? You're right. In that in that instance, he's talk he's talking about yeah. Jordan Montgomery. Sorry, I'm not trying to fish you. I'm just I, looking at it going. That's an odd thing to say about he could have pitched deeper into the game. I I think he was trying to include Montgomery in the statement about 
Hey, all the yeah. the starters have wrong. issues. You're flat out wrong. The starters have pitched poorly. Montgomery pitched very well, but you know, hey, even he could have pitched deeper into in, into games. I am I'm he's bang right. on with this. Or he's one. not wrong. I am bang on with this one. I think that that was a little nudge, or at least uh, something to be said of Ollie's been quick with getting some of the starters out, especially Monty. So you think Adam Wainwright, Mister Vote for Wayno, mm-hmm. is is sending a message through the media to his manager? Come on, man. I think he's sending a message, period, dot. Maybe not to the manager, but just saying, hey, I think, you know, Ollie could probably leave Monty in a little longer. And now, in fairness to Wayno, he's old school. He doesn't want to come out until at least the seventh inning. And even then, he's, you know, he's pushing back. So I I think that both things can be true, that Wayno is just being himself, being old school, and also that maybe he's not thrilled at a couple of decisions to pull out some of the starters early. That's Jamie Rivers. Go ahead, Marsh. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say I think it's just a general comment. Oh, I think hindsight's twenty twenty. You know when you it, see that's the not what you said earlier in the office. You are flippity floppity. Talking today. about? I think Jamie's deep sea fishing today. I, think, I, think I don't think he's wanna, in. I don't think he's in St. Louis. If I think you he's want in a really deep sea fish, he said everyone's working on their stuff. I didn't hear him mention one time the name Jack Flaherty. He mentioned Matt. He mentioned Michaelis. He mentioned Jordan Montgomery, but he didn't say Jack Flaherty in that little thing. I'm just messing around, obviously. But you guys are both deep sea, deep sea. No, I'm now. right on this one. I will die on that hill. Uh, John is returning after beating me yesterday in the gauntlet. John will return to take either take on either Marsh or Jamie next on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Four hundred one. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. Time for the gauntlet, and John is back for a second straight day after beating me yesterday in random trivia. John will take on either Jamie or Marsh today in another category. All right, what's up, John? How are you? I'm doing great, boys. How are you? Good. Would you like to take on either Marsh or Jamie today? I'll take on Jamie. Okay. All right, Johnny boy. Ooh. Good luck today. Jamie seemed a little surprised. Uh, no that. hockey and no deep sea fishing. Yeah, there <laughs> well we go, played, John. John. Now it's on. That's it. <laughs> now I mean business. All right, Jamie's going to make his way into the cone of silence right now. John, go ahead and tell Marsh to spin that wheel. Marsh, go ahead and spin that wheel. I didn't have a chance to ask you this yesterday, John. What category are you hoping for? I, I think random was pretty good. I'd like that. Oh, you may get it. Wow. Back-to-back randoms. All right. That was that was no, no NBA too. though this time no NBA. Oh, I was embarrassed about that Jason Tatum or that uh, that Celtics one. Real embarrassed yesterday, John. Yeah, well, right. you should have beat me. No, I shouldn't <laughs> have. I deserve to lose after that. All right, so random trivia again today, and it looks like uh, I'm not seeing an NBA one, so might be all right here. All okay. right, John, you ready? Yes, sir. Question number one in random. Peter the Anteater is the name of the mascot at which college? 
I'll, I'll go ahead and take the uh, option. Idaho State, Loyola Marymount University, or UC Irvine? Oh, boy. Um, I'll go with uh, the first one. Which one was that? <laughs> Idaho State. Uh, no, they're like the spuds. I think uh, I'll I'll do I'll do Loyal Marymount. Final answer. Okay. Question number two: Through eleven matches played in the MLS, two teams in the Eastern Conference led the league in wins: FC Cincinnati and which other team? I'll go ahead and take the options. Options are. New England Revolution, Nashville SC, or Atlanta United? I'll go with Atlanta. Final answer. Question number three, John. Finally, Sporting KC recorded their first win of the season in May. Which team did they beat 2-1 to one to end their 10-match winless streak to start the season? Oh gosh! <laughs> uh, I'll take I'll take the options. Are you now? Are you hoping for NBA as opposed to yeah, exactly all the soccer? <laughs> exactly. All right, here's your options, John: CF Montreal, Seattle Sounders FC, or the San Jose Earthquakes. Um, I'll go with the the first one. The, the, the one what's the first one? CF Montreal. Yeah, we'll do the Montreal one. Final answer. All right. Question number four. How many ounces are in a gallon? Oh. Let's see. Really should know this. Um, I'd say, uh, let's see, six, I think 16. I'll, um, I'll do 16 ounces. Final answer? Final answer, yes. All right. Let's bring back Jamie. I imagine, John, you're not necessarily feeling the best based on your answers, but I'll ask you anyways. How are you feeling? Um, fantastic, but okay. I don't think I'm going to win. All right. Jamie's making his way back in from the cone of silence here. Jamie, did you have some music to be listening to this no, time Mike, around? Mike Ryder was pretty boring today. He No music, no ambiance, didn't answer a couple of my questions, ignored me. I was. It's almost like he's working. It wasn't a very good experience today in the cone of silence. It's almost, it's almost like he's trying to get stuff done. Oh, please. Shame on him. Oh, please. All right, Jamie, you ready? No. Okay. Marsh, tell him. Pack a lunch. Your category is random. Oh, random. Right. Back-to-back days. <laughs> Let's go. Peter, the oh. anteater. Is the name of the mascot at which college? Peter the Anteater. Come on. The options. Idaho State, Loyola Marymount University, UC Irvine. What's the first one? Idaho State. Oh, my gosh. This is silliness. Uh, Idaho State Anteaters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes, Idaho State. Final answer. 
Question number two. Son of a. <laughs> Through 11 matches played in the MLS, two teams in the Eastern Conference led the league in wins. Oh. FC Cincinnati and which other team? Options. New England Revolution, Nashville SC, or Atlanta United? It's New England Revolution. Final answer. Question three. Finally, Jamie. Sporting KC recorded their first win of the season in May. Which team did they beat 2-1 to one to end their 10-match their winless streak to start the season? Can you repeat that, please? Finally, Sporting KC recorded their first win of the season in May. Which team did they beat 2-1 to one to end their 10-match winless streak to start the season? Options, please. CF Montreal, Seattle Sounders FC, San Jose Earthquakes. Well, San Jose is not that good, but I also know that they had a big fight in the stands in Montreal. It might be because they're so pissed off they lost a game. I saw that. Let's go Montreal. Final answer. That's a pretty good breakdown, Jamie. It's probably wrong, but that's fine. Question number four. How many ounces are in a gallon? 16. Final answer. All right. Wait. Ah, I said final answer. All right, let's go over these. Peter the Anteater is the name of the mascot ah, at which college? Good. John, you took the options. You went with Loyola Marymount University. Jamie, you took the options, and you went with Idaho State. Ironically, both of you guys go, well, I don't know, what's the first one? And I said Idaho State. You guys go, uh, Jamie, you went Idaho State. John goes, no, that doesn't sound right. And he went with Loyola. Correct answer is... UC Irvine. UC Irvine is the correct answer. So we have a 0-0 zero, yeah. zero tie. Finally, Sporting KC recorded their first win of the season in May. Which team did they beat 2-1 to one to end their 10-match winless streak to start the season? Jamie, you theorized that Montreal had a big fight in the stands recently. It must have been because they were ticked off because they lost. So you went with Montreal. Yeah. John, you just said, I don't know, the first answer, the Montreal one. Correct answer is... The Seattle Sounders FC. Seattle go. Sounders wow. FC okay. is the correct answer. So we got a goose egg, goose egg tie. How many ounces are in a gallon? You guys both answered quickly. You guys both went with the same answer. Yeah. What? I'm way wrong. I'm both way wrong. Sorry, John. <laughs> both of you went 16. Yeah, that's not it. It's 32, yeah. isn't it? That's terrible. <laughs> no, keep going. How no. many ounces in a gallon? Go ahead. 28. Go Marsh. 28 plus 100, 128. Uh, 128 ounces <laughs> in a gallon. There's 16 ounces oh in a pound. God. Maybe that's what you guys There's are eight ounces in a cup. That's all I need to know. So 60. You guys. I, <laughs> What's the big boy? That's what I want. There you go. Uh, but you both answered 16 on that. So, uh, Marsh, score check. Uh, it is, let me count. Oh, zero, zero. Yeah, both of you guys get zero. Run prevention right here. Through 11 matches played in the MLS, two teams in the Eastern Conference led the league in wins, or lead the league in wins. FC Cincinnati and which other team? Both of you took the options. John, you went with Atlanta United. Jamie, you went with the New England Revolution. If it's New England Revolution, Jamie wins 1-0. If it's Atlanta United, 
John wins 1-0. If it's Nashville SC, we painfully go to a walk-off. <laughs> John. You have chosen poorly. You lose! Uh, the correct answer was New England Revolution. Jamie with a 1-0 win today over John. Sorry, John. That was a tough one. That was fun, though. Thank you, guys. It was fun, guys. Take care. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for yeah, listening. Thanks, thanks for playing, John. John. I'm sorry that yep. we both are so bad today. One nothing. Yes. Wow. Woof. Should have gone with hockey. Yeah. I'm going to go have a gallon of bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to be 16 ounces. No. All right, uh, John, we'll see you. Okay. Good job, Jamie. You got to win. I was thinking a Canadian gallon. Of course. It's way yeah. different. It's way different. Yeah. Huh. yeah. There's only 16 ounces in a Canadian gallon. Yeah, it's just different. The exchange is different. Right, the yeah. ex- exactly. Uh-huh. The ex- exchange rate <laughs> on the gallons is <laughs> way different. Mm-hmm. Those UC schools have some weird nicknames. You have ah. UC Irvine, the Anteaters. UC Santa Barbara, they're the banana slugs. Are they? Yeah. Which team is like the Ranchos or something? Isn't that a team out in California? Now you're making things up. Well, I don't know. Take a look, Marsh. I'm looking. Can the Cardinals prove the execs wrong? And when we say execs, we mean other execs nationally uh, that are talking about what's going on with this current Cardinals team. That's next. I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Everyone is trying to make the best of an awkward situation, you know, trying to assure Contreras that they love him and he's their guy. But there's no getting around the fact that what the, you know, the Cardinals uh, signed him for, they're punting on it. And people around the game, you know, assume that, you know, at some point, yeah, maybe they might try. But generally speaking, they believe that his days as an everyday catcher are over. Stop it! We'll have to dive into the Buster-only comment there a little bit later on, but we got to play the lineup game. Janet telling us to stop it or stop him. Whatever. Whatever. Cardinals, Cubs, they continue the series at Wrigley Field. And tonight, Jamie, Jordan Montgomery, the Southpaw, will take on Justin Steele. Maybe they'll leave him a little longer. A lefty. Yeah, maybe. After Wayno. Sent the shot across the bow. Watch. Complete game tonight. Watch. Jim. Complete game Jim. <laughs> so Justin Steele's a lefty, Jamie. That's that's what we have to know for this Cardinals lineup. We've been pretty good with this. We, we, we had an issue yesterday with one of the spots. I can't remember what it was. I think it was the DeYoung spot. Yeah. But other than that, I feel like we've been doing pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Lineup's been more consistent. A little too. more copy and paste yeah. here recently. That's, I'm this fine one's going to be interesting because the left-handed pitcher, that changes a few things. Yep. Typically, this has been Tommy Edmond, though, so I don't think I don't think we – well, Paul, what the ball do you – I think you play both because Gorman, yeah. it's illegal Tommy to – Tommy Edmond will be at second base. Yes, it's illegal to play Nolan Gorman mm-hmm. against a lefty. So – It's a federal crime, I've heard. Federal crime up mm-hmm. to 25 years in prison. Edmond, here. Yes. 
Show us Tommy Edmund. But right now, I'm going to need you, Tommy boy, to get this place going. Okay. Is Brendan Donovan here or Newt? A two? I think it's still Goldie. Oh, yeah, Goldie. That's right. I keep forgetting that they moved him up to the two hole. He's been doing damage, too, in the two hole. A lot of damage in the two hole. He likes it up there. Who wouldn't? Why don't you go ahead and show us that gold? I love gold. All right. Okay. Uh, This has been Wilson Contreras against a lefty. Uh, Typically. hmm. Yeah. I think you're right. Show us Wilson Contreras. Wilson! 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 Show us Nolan Arenado. Can I say one more thing? Albert Pujols, I love you, man. Okay. Okay, this is where it's starting to get slippery here at, at five. I think Paul DeYoung's batting five today. Okay. I mean, he does own the Cubs at Wrigley but Field. He's batting 350 on the season. He's got an OPS over 1,000. Probably going to get an extension at some point, I would think. Multi-year. <laughs> uh, for reference, Jamie, I looked. The last time I played a lefty, it was last Friday night against the Tigers, Matthew Boyd. And it was Edmund, Goldschmidt, Contreras, Arnato, Carlson. So do we think that Ollie shakes it up at all or leaves? I think he leaves DeYoung down. All right. You don't like it. You're disgusted no, by I'm it. No, I'm not disgusted. I just, I'm looking at it and DeYoung has good numbers at Wrigley. He's got, like he's coming off a, a bomb last night. He's been hitting the ball consistently. And moving him up to five is probably a little aggressive, but I just was throwing the thought out there, Anthony. Well, what do you think? We're a team. Yeah. I think you're probably right. I I don't know if Carlson's the guy either, for that matter, but I think you're right. DC? Yeah. Show us Dylan Carlson. Hey, Carl. Good to see you. Nice. There you go. All right. Again, for reference, this was Juan Yepes last time. Okay, but... And then then DeYoung. But for, for reference point... They also had Contreras at catcher, didn't they? The last time they played a left-handed pitcher? This was the first game, I believe, that that he was the DH. Okay. But is Donovan just not going to play? He didn't play in this lineup. You're taking that out of the lineup? You're going to put Juan Yepes in left field right now? I wouldn't. No, absolutely not. I don't think this is Juan Yepes. Do you think it's DeYoung or Donovan? I think it's DeYoung. Okay, let's do it. I like it. I'm with Jamie. Listen, I'm with you. We had a whole segment earlier talking about this was your best outfield right now. So, I'm with you. Go ahead. Show me the king. Let's do it. You're wrong. Come on! I'm sorry, Anthony. I let us down. You want to do Donovan here? I'm going to let you take the wheel on this one. I think it's Brendan Donovan. All right, let's do it. Show us Brendan Donovan. You are so wrong. <laughs> a batch of biscuits. So then he, uh, to me, he's rolling out the same lineup then. This is Yippee. All right, go ahead. Show us Yippee. Yippee! That's craziness. Wow. I can't wait to see how the hell he's got this drawn up. 
That's just silliness. I think it's the same damn lineup as what he had last week against the Tigers. So this is, this would worked. be DeYoung. Paul DeYoung. Show us Paul DeYoung. <laughs> the king has returned. Show us Lars Newbar. Show us Andrew Kiss Daddy. So, and it took well under his wing. <laughs> I don't care how steamed you are, how frustrated you are. That's funny. I, I got to see where. He's All right, got, so the same lineup. He's got Yippie in left field instead of Brendan Donovan. What are we doing, man? What are we doing? Your offense is not that good. It's not. <laughs> to, to, the biggest problem they had in a number of games was booting balls in misplayed outfield. Like, what the hell are we doing here? And I like Juan Yepes. Well, we got to play the matchups. I know, but it's right? I'm with you. Like, I like Juan Yepes. There's nothing to do with that. Like, hey, they won three in a row, Jamie. Oh, yeah, they got it all figured out now, I roll the same lineup out every single day till you lose. I would. Copy I, and paste. I would. The only, the only exception on this one is I might. I'm being hypocritical. But I would, if there was one change I would make, I would put Edmund at second for Gorman against a left-handed pitcher. If that's your philosophy as a team, I wouldn't do all this crap. And then keep everything else the same. Yes, like you've had it. Yeah. Yes. Don't always agree with you, but you're right on this one. I think that was for you. I know it's uh, yeah. Was yeah. that? I think Janet's in my corner. I, most I of the have time. no idea. Janet, if you're listening, please clarify that. Thank you. I mm-hmm. didn't say it. Yeah, but a lot of times you doctor the. Yeah, no. What kidding. are you talking about? The audio. I think no, she was actually the original one was in reference to BT. Oh, okay. Mm. All right. All right, Marsh, go ahead and run it. All right, so leading off, we have second baseman Tommy Edmond batting second. First baseman Paul Goldschmidt batting third. Wilson Contreras, of course, he is the DH. The cleanup hitter, third baseman, Nolan Arnado. Batting fifth, Dylan Carlson. He is in center field. Batting sixth, Juan Yepes, who is in left. Batting seventh, Paul DeYoung, the shortstop. Batting eighth in right field, Lars Newtbar. And batting ninth, behind the dish, is Andrew Kisner. I don't believe what I just saw. Home run. We called a couple of home runs last night, but only one counts, and that was Jamie's, who had, he had Nolan Gorman, who hit the home run in the first inning last night. So Jamie's on the board. I had Paul DeYoung, who obviously hit the, the game winner. But again, for our purposes in the home run derby, you can only choose uh, the player that's going to hit the first Cardinals home run. So, Marsh, is it still Danny Mac two and the rest of us one? No, no Jamie got, has two. You got two now? Yeah. Yeah, Jamie. Oh, that's right, because you had what? Gold Gorman. Gorman. On the 3rd of May. I've had a a double down with Gorman. Okay. Not a bad guy to double down with. No, he's been pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, You want to go first, Jamie? Go for it. All right. Uh, This guy did no damage yesterday whatsoever, Uh, but I think he will today. Paul Goldschmidt. Marsh? I think Dylan Carlson hits a home run tonight. Uh... He's been swinging it pretty well from from the left side, but he also has been swinging it good from the right as well. So, uh, Dylan Carlson, my guy tonight. Hmm. 
Anthony, do it. I know what you want to do right now, and I, I actually endorse what you're thinking. Can you write it down? Because I want to see. I want to see. Oh, oh, I think I know. I know what you want to do. I just wrote it down. All right. Wait, show me. Oh, okay. Give me the king. The oh, king wow. has returned. Wow. It's not what I thought. Were you thinking Yippie? Yes. That's, what, that's <laughs> who I was honestly thinking about initially. And then I remembered, I remembered DeYoung. I was like, yeah. I initially thought, I almost wrote it down and then said Paul DeYoung. Uh, Were well, you were thinking Yippie, though? I, I wrote down Yippie. So was I. Because I was like, of all things of right all now, things. we just dogged on him. He's yes. going to come and rip. Of home run. Uh, Jamie had the same thought. <laughs> but then I remembered, you know, Paul DeYoung is hitting, I think, uh, a thousand with 40 home runs at Wrigley. So. <laughs> the king has returned. Give me, <laughs> that one gets me every give time. Give me that Paulie D. <laughs> yeah. What? You heard me. Hmm. All right, that's your home run derby. In the fast lane on 101 ESPN, your lineup game as well. How NHL ready does the Blues top draft pick really have to be? How beneficial is it if he is? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. We know that the Blues will won't be on the clock for another month and a half. But Jamie, how NHL ready does the Blues' top draft pick have to be? Well, you better be ready to be your centerpiece immediately. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, he's got to be NHL ready for me, for my liking, in two years. Like. There might be a bust-out camp. Like, it it has happened. Where these young guys show up to camp, and they play very very well to the point to where the GM, Doug Armstrong, goes, huh, let's have a look here. We got nine games to mess with this before we either have to commit to this player for the entire season or send him back to junior hockey or college or whatnot. Uh, junior hockey, can't go back to college. <laughs> can't go back to college. That's your Rod, Rodney Dangerfield, but that was a different sport. Yeah, I mean, once you sign that pro contract, the mm-hmm. amateur status goes, which is a dumb rule nowadays anyways. But now that they have the NIL money and all that, it's a dumb rule. It's mm-hmm. it's it's dated. They need to switch that. But that's not the plan here Another today. time. Another time. Another day. No, I, you're hoping... If you have a top five pick in a strong draft, you're hoping that those players can make your lineup immediately. If you have a top ten pick, you're looking at, in my opinion, uh, not this year but the season after or the next one as you're, you're earmarking as to be a full-time regular player. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Blues as far as their tenth overall pick. Can they package something together and move up in the draft? I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure they could. Will they? I don't know. But... Uh, Army uh, was talking with JR. We talked to JR earlier, and he's got this piece. Well, here's a quote from that piece. Uh, Army says, You would have a first overall pick that could be the centerpiece of your retool or your rebuild, but he's still going to be 18 years old. So we might have been more likely to keep those late picks, talking about the late picks, because you have something there that's 18. We're not going to build around a 10th pick in this year's draft. We're hoping he can be a part of whatever we build. There's more, of course, to that, but 
So Army's basically saying, if we add a player like this to our lineup, he's a part of a foundation of players that we're building around, and he's a piece of it, rather than going like the Connor Bedard or whatever and dropping him in there, and now you're building around that player. So I think it's Makes a good sense. it's a good way to look at it. It's a it's a good way to approach the situation if you're if you're the Blues or any team for that matter with a pick that's from ten to thirty one or thirty two, uh, you're fine with that. So I, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how the Blues um, approach it. But if you're a Blues fan, don't expect that tenth overall pick to make an impact immediately. It'd be nice, but don't expect it. Jamie, what are some of the attributes of players that do, and I realize like Sidney Crosby, there's just God-given ability that has to be accounted for here, but when it comes to most players, what are some of the the attributes that players have when they do make that jump to the NHL right away, and they they, they do it almost, it's not easy, but they, they almost make it look easy? Uh, the maturity of the player. It's the number one thing you look at, and I don't mean like you know how they act, but how, are they a pro? And Jake Neighbors is a great example to that. Is you know he stuck around uh, last year for a little bit, then this year he made the team out of camp. It's because of his maturity level. He came in and, and he came in early. Um, he's very focused on being a pro in the gym, watching what he eats, getting on, doing skills work. Like he was operating as though he was a five or six year veteran already, and he had played a game in the NHL. That's what separates it. Or extreme talent. That's the other one. Talent plays. You're looking at this kid and you're going, you know what? We can't have a lineup without him. He's a difference maker. Every time he touches the puck, something happens. Um, we're going to keep this guy for a while. That's what happened to David Perron. But honestly, David Perron was nowhere near in the, in the thought process of keeping him out of training camp. He came in, he played so good. He was so competitive and he worked so hard. They're like, well, let's see what he can do. And the rest is history. Robert Thomas wasn't 18. He was 19 when he stuck around. But he was also in a situation to where you're like, he's good. We know there's something there. There's too much there to send him back to junior. Mm -hmm. Can he play on this team? Can he be a regular? Where does he fit? Ended up fitting on the right wing on the third line that, well, I don't know, was a part of a pretty damn big goal that year. So that's how you look at it. That he set up. <laughs> yeah. Bozak wins a draw, set play, brings it off the bar, and the mm -hmm. big rig puts it home. The rest, as they say, is history. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I imagine, Jamie, there's there's a lot of players that get caught kind of in a situation where you're you're coming out of either college or you know you're you're drafted and you're you're kind of put in a spot where, all right, juniors, you have nothing to prove. But you you might have to just kind of take your lumps while you're developing at at the NHL level. I imagine there's a lot of players that are kind of stuck in between, and you don't want to send them back down to junior, or you don't want to send them to juniors, or you don't want to send them to a spot where you know they're just going. To, the competition isn't going to breed anything more than you've already seen. Yeah, we're just going to have to be patient with them at the NHL level. Yeah, and that's the screwed up rule. I, I again feel like there's a couple of rules that need to be changed. I think each year a franchise should be able to declare. Um, you know, uh, a development player. And what I mean by that is that an 18-year-old can go play in the American Hockey League. You can declare one guy every year. And that way they are guys that are too good for junior hockey but not quite good enough for the NHL can continue their development. And that draft pick now is hopefully in the NHL sooner 
rather than later. So I think that rule should be changed. And I'm going to clarify something I said earlier because one of the texters said, oh, no, you can go back to college. They're talking about a football player or something uh, or, or a golfer. It's, I don't know what the rules are for golf, but yeah. in hockey, the moment you sign a pro contract, you can no longer return to college. So maybe this golfer played as an, with amateur status on the PGA or whatever. I yeah, don't know. Football, football is similar to hockey. I mean, I, I think once you get once you hire an agent, I think you're you're technically a pro now. Yeah, I, I don't know that rule. Maybe for football, I, all I know for hockey is the moment you sign your name on a contract that is going to pay you any amount of money, you're ineligible to go back to college, yeah. which is a dumb rule because, quite honestly, college hockey would be beneficial. Uh, it, it's kind of a tweener. You know, there's some junior hockey teams that are exceptional, and, but when you look at the programs overall, your most successful college programs have older kids, mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot more college players are older in today's game. So if you had a college kid that you drafted – and you wanted to develop them, you wanted to give them eight, nine games here, test them out, and then send them back to college to continue his development, that would be beneficial to the player and the club. But not right now, as it stands, you can't do that. We've got our Sports Six Pack coming up. If you've got a question for us, 314-399-9646. That's the Air Comfort Service tax line. Again, we'll do our Sports Six Pack next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. Time for the Sports Six Pack in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions from the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. Question number one. From 314, for college hockey players, you can draft that player's rights, correct? Question mark. That will allow him to play college hockey, but is controlled by the NHL. I'm thinking about TJ Oshie. Played in college, but we knew he was coming here. Yeah, so the way it works to, to just put a bow on all of this is you can draft a player once he's 18 years old junior hockey uh, any junior league in the world or any college player at 18 years old what happens is that team has your rights then for two years and in two years they have to sign you if they don't you can go back into the draft and so for college hockey players, they get to, they're allowed to come and do the development camps. They're allowed to do training camps. Uh, they're not allowed to play in an exhibition game or a preseason game because I believe that you get paid for those. Or they can sign a thing declining to be paid for it. But the moment the regular season starts, that player has to go back to college. And you still retain their rights, even though you haven't signed them to an NHL contract. Gotcha. And that actually happened with me, although I'm not a college hockey player. I was drafted at 18, went to Blues camp uh, that year at 18, and did not have a contract. And then obviously after that, got one, but still did the whole process that way. Question number two. 
From the 314, who is now the favorite to win the NBA championship and the NHL championship? Well, the, the NBA. Stanley Cup. The NBA, I'm going with the Lakers. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm going with the Lakers. I feel like they've had a chip on their shoulder, just you know, squeaking into the play-ins and all that, and then a massive chip on their shoulder since LeBron James got called an old man. Mm-hmm. And, and they've, they took that team out behind the woodshed, and now they're doing the same <laughs> thing to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they look good. They look good. So the, the Lakers are my pick. I, Given how wide open it is this year, I, I, I'll go with Denver, but I, I think L.A. is playing. I agree with Jamie's blood. They're playing with an edge. That Philadelphia-Boston series has been wild and of course Joel Embiid has got the the MVP and I I was saying oh that's nice nice individual award when are you going to win anything and now he's you know they're he said, they're inching they're inching closer <laughs> to to playing in a conference final conference finals but I I like Denver give me Denver ah uh, I think Miami's going to going to win oh, that's a good team I too. think it's going to be Miami versus LA a rematch of the bubble we can see who the real winner was. Ooh, wow. wow. Yeah. I think LeBron and the Lakers were the real winner. Well, a lot of people say it was a quote-unquote Mickey Mouse ring. Whoa. Yeah. Well played. That's what they're saying. I didn't say well it. That's what they are saying. That's what the kids are saying. Huh? That's what the kids in the on the social media <laughs> are saying. No, it's creative, I, I, at least. <laughs> I think Jimmy Butler has been playing unbelievable. Uh, I think the Heat have been playing really well. And I think the Lakers have also. I think those are two teams that got hot at the right time. Mm. We've seen, you know, if you get hot at the right time, anything can happen. You just got to get into the playoffs, Anthony. <laughs> it seems yeah. to be some philosophy. Or the play-in round. Yeah, or the play-in yeah. round of yeah. time yeah. the NBA, yep. What are uh, you guys' picks for the NHL? Seattle. Give me Bowie. Oh, man. I know they're a long shot, but give me. Bowie must have been absent at last night's yeah, game. Yeah, boy. took the night off. They got taken out behind. That's all right. In front, on top of the woodshed, it everywhere. Ain't gonna, it ain't going to be pretty, but give me the give me that Kraken. Wow. Marshy, what do you think? Oh, it's tough. I think, I think the Panthers are the best team right now. I think them and... And Carolina are going to be, I think that's going to be one hell of an Eastern Conference final. It's going to be kind of boring in terms of like speed and all that stuff. But like if you're into that physical brand of hockey, I think you're going to love it. Well, both those teams play extremely fast. Yeah, They're physical. Don't trust me. Don't let that get in the way of how I, fast they are. I'm thinking like when I think of the speed and the skill, I think of like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. And there's a reason why they're not winning right now. In my opinion, I don't think that's playoff hockey. No. No, you're right. Um, I got the Vegas Golden Knights, guys. I mean, they have been, they've riddled with goaltender problems all season long, yet every guy they put between the pipes seems to still be up to the task. And at 5-1-5, they're dominant. They are dominant. The only way the Oilers have won at all in this series is on the power play, which I, I don't take penalties. I get it. But 5-1-5, five five, that Vegas team is strong. Like Question it. number three. From the 314. Good evening, fellas. You were all talking earlier about the Cardinals outfield and how a certain group of outfielders 
provide defense versus another group providing offense. When I look around the league at good teams in Major League Baseball, they're not shuffling outfielders based on left-hand or right-hand pitching or the better defense versus offense. So my question is, why do the Cardinals constantly been so many years trying to develop one-dimensional players? I would I would at least like to have one outfielder that is an all-around outfielder. I think you do, but it depends on if you think that Newt is the real deal. Because Newt, Newt is an all-around outfielder. I think Dylan Carlson is an all-around outfielder, but he's got to keep going. He's not there yet. But I, I think that when it comes to developing, I don't think they're trying to develop one one aspect of the game. I think that's just kind of how it's been with guys like Juan Yepes and Alec Burleson. And Jordan Walker, you're, you're trying to find a spot for him because you know he's he's blocked at first base. I don't think the development is the problem. It, it is it is just how it has shaken out right now. But to to the texture's point, you look around Major League Baseball and you look at outfielders. It's not like it's it's one set that can play defense and one set that can play offense. Yeah, I would agree with everything you said. Um, it's tough. It's tough though because uh, I feel like. As you're developing, as you're coming up through the system, you know, a lot of these guys do get pigeonholed with one position, which I guess is the right way to do it, but not if you want to be an organization with flexibility. If you want to be an organization that, that preaches flexibility, then you better preach it at all levels. Yeah. I guess what... And I think the Cardinals do. Like, Gorman started as a third baseman. Mm-hmm. And now he's playing second base. Why? Because he's blocked at third. Walker blocked at first for obvious reasons. You have two of the best in the game uh, ever, for that matter. And, and so you got to be flexible. Hey, can you play another position? Sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to develop you. Jamie, at some point, I think the, that you got to develop guys like Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarina. You know, if the Cardinals had those guys uh, in their system ever, then I think you'd be set. Question number four. From the 217. No. You're so brutal. <laughs> You're so brutal. Nothing. Just throwing gasoline Nothing everywhere. No, no I, I, let you, let, I let you walk right through that one. Marsh, I, what I said was, I think at some point, the Cardinals need guys like Dulles Garcia and Randy Rosarina in their organization mm. if you're looking for outfielders. Not falling for it. <laughs> <laughs> From the 217. Is Kyler Murray... Related to Contreras? I don't know. No, so from the 217, preparation. the 217 is confused in the whole Contreras thing. Are we saying that Wilson Contreras is our version of Kyler Murray? No, I don't think so. I don't think I mean, uh, if you just look at it on the surface and don't dive into the individual and the character and all that, yes, it's the preparation side of it. Now, to your point, Anthony. Yeah, I don't think it's a willingness factor. I, and that's what BT said yesterday. Is is Wilson Contreras willing? The the Cardinals, I don't know what specifics. I'm just I'm reading the tea leaves here. They're asking him to do a lot more than maybe the Cubs asked him to do, and he's just not up to speed. I don't think it's a situation where Wilson Contreras can't put down the, the video game controllers to study the playbook, which is, the, of course, the been the problem for Kyler Murray. Yeah, no, I agree. I think 
to me, Contreras, a couple of things here that are differentiators for me, uh, is very well liked in the clubhouse. Kyler Murray. I'm not in the locker room, but guys who have been are meh on him and his personality. Uh, and Contreras seems to be a coachable guy. Kyler Murray. I don't know. Got a coach fired. But I, I don't know. But to me, the willingness uh, to prepare and do more, I see that out of Contreras. We'll see if it stays that way long term. Um, but so far, it feels like he's on board. Question number five. From the 980. This is just my opinion, but I feel like Jack Flaherty gets treated a little differently. The 980 says the other starters in the rotation, Stephen Matz, as a partner, has not been graded all. Marsh, you should proofread these before. Well, they're not proofread, but does Jack Flaherty. Does, Jay, Does he get treated different in the media? So here's what the, here's what I'll say, and uh, I've I've heard a few things today about the Stephen Matz situation. Stephen Matz flat out came out to the media and was like, "Yeah, I don't have a slider right now. I don't know why. I, I don't. I'm not pitching well." And he he owned it and he answered the questions. Jack Flaherty gets treated differently because he reacts differently, and Jack Flaherty has got a, a bit of an aggressive stance to him when talking to the media when things are bad. When things are good, he's, you know, bubbly and whatnot, which is fine. Okay, J- do you, Jack? Fine. Yeah, but everybody's allowed to be who they are. But I don't feel like Jack Flaherty is treated differently for any other reason except for he brings it on himself. I think his answers are different. I, the, the questions are all there. Yeah. The questions... See, it's not like Stephen Matz is... It's not like... It's not like... The media goes into the locker room and says, you know, we won't bother Stephen Matz today. He had a rough outing. We won't talk to him. No, he's he's answering questions just like Jack Flaherty is after bad outings. Flaherty is answering them in condescending ways like last night or a week ago. You know, he had the... He had been pulled, and he got pulled in the third inning, and then hours later, it was like he had this show to put on in the clubhouse. I think that's what's different. The reaction is different. It's kind of like having multiple kids. One kid, you know, every time you go to explain something to him or her, and they're they're acting like, okay, all right, got it, and they don't do it again. The next one, you've got to, you know, that gives you attitude. You're probably going to handle the kids differently. You're probably going to view the kids differently when it comes to maybe some some negative feedback mm-hmm. or criticism. All right. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We didn't get to the Buster-only comment or reacting to the audio because we had the lineup break in during that segment. But you'll hear what Buster-only had to say about the Cardinals, and we'll tell you what the, if Jamie and I agree with what only said. That's next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know what? I don't believe that it's rigged, but there has to be something that you could do with those balls. It's a foul sign on 101 ESPN 506. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's the one and only Jeremy Rutherford, who joined us earlier today in the fast lane with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalter. If you missed any of that conversation with 
JR, and you might be thinking to yourself, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> Go back for context. Download the app. <laughs> you already have the app? Well, you're all set up. Download the podcast after the show. It's all brought to uh, you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. JR's going to be thrilled. Oh, yeah. He's a fun guy. He sure yeah, is. JR. Buster only. We, we had the comment from the audio earlier today, but we didn't get into it because we had the lineup game. But here is Buster only talking about the industry and whether or not the industry believes that Contreras is done as an everyday catcher. Everyone is trying to make the best of an awkward situation, you know, trying to assure Contreras that they love him and he's their guy. But there's no getting around the fact that what the, you know, the Cardinals uh, signed him for, they're punting on it. And people around the game, you know, assume that, you know, at some point, yeah, maybe they might try. But generally speaking, they believe that his days as an everyday catcher are over. Stop it. That blast bar was Janet. (laughs) Buster only appearing earlier this week on Balloon Party right here on 101 ESPN. That's a pretty interesting take. Yeah, you, I feel like that's kind of harsh. Do you think that maybe he's just Buster only? He it's not like he's saying it. He he reached out to execs around the league, and this yeah. is what the execs are saying. And it could just be a man. It don't sound good. Yeah, probably he's probably done. And and maybe it's just that that's all it is, and it's just a quick reaction. You know, Twitter. You you have the instant reaction. You post something on Twitter, and that's how you felt in the moment. And then with more information, you may go back and say, yeah, you know what, I got a different viewpoint on this. Maybe it's just as simple as that, but that's a pretty strong take, Jamie, that Wilson Contreras, according to execs around the league, they feel like he's done as the catcher. Yeah, and you know what? For not knowing who the executives are, they might be executives that were out on Wilson Contreras. And so the for them, not that their opinion is skewed, but it kind of is. Right. I think it's a little early to say he's done. I think so, too. I mean, I don't know the intricacies of what is lacking from his preparation standpoint or his in-game pitch calling or game calling, but I can't imagine that a guy who has played this long in the majors and is a World Series champion can't close the distance on what needs to be done here. I agree. Plus, there's just too much invested, Jamie. There's too much invested financially. There's too much invested in your roster. We talked about it today. There could be a roster crunch when it comes to Tommy Edmond now. If Paul DeYoung continues to swing the bat the way he has, and Donovan, who's not in the lineup tonight, but has been in the lineup and has made great plays defensively out in left field, if he continues to play regularly at left field, you're going to have a roster crunch somewhere, and it's likely to be on the infield with Tommy Edmond, who won a gold glove two years ago and, you know, has been... Was a finalist last year. And it was finalist last year and has been a regular for you, whether he played shorts, shortstop or second. Mm-hmm. So you have too much invested in Willis Contreras being a catcher than to just give up on it right now. So I don't think, I don't think this is done, and I think that we'll see him, we'll see him catch sooner rather than later. I think they'll start to mix him in more and more. I think he catches Wayno's next start. That one makes sense, too, because Wayno calls his own games. So we'll have Wayno calling his own games. It's not like you need Will Skinner. It's not like he's a dumpster fire when it comes to framing and things like that. No, in fact, BT even talked about some of the numbers, the analytics are supporting that he's doing a better job this year. So I think you're right. It starts off with the Adam Wainwright starts, and then they go from there. And he's just slowly mixed in. Yeah. 
I, I, so many reasons for me why this is not over, but 85 million of them for sure tell me that it's not over. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't allocate, what is that yearly, 25 a year or no, 20? The deal is, I believe, 87 and a half million. Why do I keep saying 85 then? I've been saying 85 because that was the Fowler contract. You did this. It's your fault. Yesterday, I started mixing in the 87 and a half. All right. And you just didn't pick up on it. No, probably not. I wasn't listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> that being said, uh, you got too much money. He's not a DH that's worth that amount of money. So you've got to make it work. It devalues the catcher position. You, you're right. You don't need an $87.5 million DH. Mm-mm. You have plenty of DHs. The highest paid DH ever, ever. wouldn't it be? Never, Bob. <laughs> you can't have just a DH making $87.5 million. You can't. You've got Nolan Gorman. as a, You can have him as a DH. If he's hitting, Alec Burleson. If he's hitting, Juan Yepes. Well, yeah. If he's hitting, like, you, you, Jordan Walker could be a, a DH. If he starts to swing the bat well at Memphis and you don't want to have him concentrate on the outfield, he could be a DH. There's too well, much it's value. A nice, it's a nice way spot. to mix in extra at-bats for a guy like Jordan Walker. Exactly. Yeah. You cannot. So, in other words, Jamie, I think you and I completely disagree with what ex- the, the opinions, and I want to stress this, it's just the opinions yeah. of execs that Buster only talked to. And I don't know if you thought, typically you talk to at least three. I don't think you talk to one and then says exacts. I don't think it's just two. Typically, you get the opinions of about three guys. Yeah, I just, I just don't see it happening. Just like that. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I see the Cardinals trying to work their way through this. I mean, and if they can't, or if they don't, then why are they telling people that they're working their way through it? Jamie. I agree. Question, biggest question of the day is coming up at the bottom of the hour. So if you want to leave us a mic drop asking us the biggest question of the day, feel free to do so. We'd love to have you. Love to hear from you. Biggest question of the day coming up at 5.30. Plenty of times, plenty of time to get in your mic drop uh, before the bottom of the hour. But what's the path to success for this team besides, you know, winning, winning games? What does it look like for this version of the Cardinals? We'll get to that conversation next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So, like I know, this isn't a person-for-person comparison here, but... Uh, when it comes to the Cardinals and Wilson Contreras, it just seems kind of funny or silly in a way that Paul DeYoung keeps getting millions of chances. And I know he's better at defense than he was at hitting, and Contreras is better at hitting than he is at defense, but it just is kind of shocking at how quick they're just, okay, you're going to go do this now. And, uh, well, Paul DeYoung keeps on doing Paul DeYoung things, and he's in the lineup. What, Robert, like winning your games? Yeah, Paul Like DeYoung, touching seats at Wrigley? Paul DeYoung's a bad example for this year because he's been good for you. Really good. Paul DeYoung, with all due respect to Robert's take there, Paul DeYoung's also a bad example in other situations because it's just not apples to apples. This is not a player that is struggling that just gets every opportunity. 
Wilson Contreras I'm talking about this is this is somebody that according to the Cardinals just isn't is not is not good enough in terms of calling games or at least to their standards that they want not used to preparing yeah as much. it's not like it's not like shortstop and Paul DeYoung needs to get up to speed that way. It it was a struggling player that, to Robert's point, was given those opportunities consistently, and we could debate whether or not that was fair or unfair. It's not the same, though, with Contreras. He's swinging a hot bat. It's not like he's struggling defensively. It's just when it comes to the, the game day preparation or game calling ability or maybe ability to retain uh, you know what? What the what the Cardinals are going are going over with him in the in pregame meetings. That's the issue. So I, I again, not an apples to apples comparison. All right, it's Fastlane on one hundred and one ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalzer. What's the path to success for this team? Obviously, winning games. So let's just get that out of the way. Jamie, this version of the Cardinals. Yeah. What's their path to success, in your opinion? Well, how's it going to look? I don't know. Gosh, I just don't know. Um, they won three in a row. You no, seem... I know. I'm happy about that, Anthony. I, I, listen, I love when the Cardinals win. I really do. It's way better. I, I, I like it. But they haven't won a lot this year. But what does this team look like for their success moving forward? Uh, <laughs> pitching and defense. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Especially the defense the defensive side of it, that has been your trademark as an organization for, what, the last handful of years since Mike Matheny uh, and the Cardinals parted ways, we'll call it. Schilte came in and was like, back to basics. And Schilte fan or not, he he did. He drugged this baseball team back to basics. And from there, it's been taken over by Ollie Marmo, who was part of Mike Schilt's staff. But there has been a lot of bad defense this year. It's cost them baseball games. And then on the pitching side, I don't even know if I need to explain that right now. I think everybody listening understands exactly what I'm saying when I say pitching. And it's not just the rotation because it's fluctuated. There have been some quality starts, or I shouldn't say that because that's an official term. There have been some good starts from some of your pitchers, and they've handed the ball off, and uh, then it's turned into a disaster. Mm Mm-hmm. So pitching overall, the umbrella covering all the whole thing, the whole pitching staff. So for me, that's where you start. I'm with you. Strong starting pitching and clean defense. You can make errors if your starting staff is outstanding. Like if you're exceptional in in one area and you're getting that on a consistent basis, you can misplay some some hit, you know, some ba- some balls every once in a while. But when you're not pitching well and you're also mis misreading balls or, or you're committing physical errors, now you got big time issues. But the st- the starting staff, and we could I I'm not debating that they're whether or not they're good enough to win you multiple playoff series. Forget that conversation. You got a last place team right now. Let's just get quality starts. Let's start stacking quality starts. If you don't have good quality starting pitching. You're not going to have success. The Rays are the number one team in baseball. They also happen to have have the lowest ERA 
for among starters in baseball. The Twins are second, and the Cubs have been better. They're they're sliding. They're backsliding. But the Cubs have been a lot better this year than maybe we thought. They're third. Astros are fourth. The Braves are fifth. And the Braves have another injury now in Max Freed. So it's not like they're they're using guys that are household names. Yeah. You've got a lot of young guys that are making some starts for the for the Braves, and they've been good. But, Jamie, I'm with you. When it comes to pitching and defense, it starts there. If you go to the offensive side and you're looking at team hitting, for me, and, and I want to be very clear about this, I'm not saying every player should sell out to hit home runs. I'm not saying this is a launch angle conversation and every player has got to either hit the ball out of the ballpark or strike out. I'm not saying that. But if you don't hit home runs, it is very difficult for you to have a productive offense. Do you know what the number one team is when it comes to home runs right now in baseball with 75? They've hit 75 home runs. Any guesses? The Rays. Jamie says the Rays. Marsh. I think it's the Rays, but if there's another team, I'll say the Baltimore Orioles. You guys were both right. It's the Rays at 75 home runs. Jamie, you said the Rays. You thought it was the Rays. You went with the Orioles just to have fun. Mm -hmm. The Rays have the most home runs. So they've got the number one starting pitching staff in terms of ERA, and they've hit more home runs than any team, and they've got the best record in baseball. That sounds like a really good combination. We should try that. Exactly. (laughs) Although I don't think we're going to get there on the pitching side. You are ninth in home runs right now. So you're not so far out when it comes to the home run side of things. Yeah. But you haven't been playing well defensively up until late. And your starting staff has been a bunch of foreign dives. So the path to success for this team, and really for any team for that matter, strong starting pitching, clean defense, and touch seats. That's where we're at, Jamie. I agree. I agree. Now, there also have been some games where your offense has been there. You've scored five, six runs and mm-hmm. still lost. And your defense has stunk or your starting pitching hasn't been good enough? Yeah. Flat out. Look at the look at opening day. How many runs they score opening day? Eight? Eight? Yeah, the bullpen blew it for you? Yeah. And you got, a, you got a bad start out of Miles Michaelis? I mean, it started opening day. I don't think the offense, Jamie, you'd made a comment before, the offense isn't good enough for you to have. You know, we're going with the lineup. You see, the offense isn't good enough to have uh, some some questionable defense. And I'm with you. Your off- it's, it's not like your offense is going to get you five runs a game. If you could do five runs a game consistently. You're going to be okay. We could talk. Yeah. But to sacrifice defense for this offense, for this level of productivity offensively, Hey, it's not going to work. Well, look at last uh, the last couple of games have been pretty good examples of tightening it up a little bit defensively, getting some uh, some good pitching at times. Jack Flaherty was not good. Talking about post Jack Flaherty yesterday, you get guys get in. Geo was good again. Mm-hmm. Close that thing out. So you've got these elements that are showing up sporadically, and in the last three games they've been more uh, slightly more consistent. And that's they're gonna they're gonna have to be that way if they're gonna win. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, it's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. We got the biggest question of the day coming up. We got beat the streak coming up at uh, the bottom of the hour, and 
Yeah, Cardinals at 640. Cardinals, Cubs, they continue their series at Wrigley Field. Biggest question of the day next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. All right, time for the biggest question of the day. This one comes from Christopher. Anthony, I don't understand. When Mike Matheny was the catcher, Dave Duncan called the game from the bench. Why can't they just call the game from the bench? It's their. It's not their philosophy. You may not. And look, don't kill the messenger on this, but it's it's just not their philosophy. Oh, Anthony, stop. They don't want. <laughs> I think I even qualified it with "Don't kill the messenger." Uh, didn't kill you. They they feel as though that the catcher has the best viewpoint of not only the pitcher, his stuff, but also the batter, the swing, the type of swings they have, where they're setting up. They feel as though that to do call everything from the bench doesn't make as much sense as having your catcher call games. That is their philosophy. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. Um, Look, I think there's instances in games where the call could come from the bench. But you also, like as a catcher, you have to have a feel for the moment. This is the thing that like Yadier Molina used to pick up on things. He knew players so well. I remember listening to... um, Oh, I forget the pitcher's name, but just describing how Yachty in the middle of an at-bat or the next at-bat the second time through for a guy, he'd notice there was something different about his swing. Yeah. Maybe he aggravated something or an injury. He's like, the swing is off. And he changed the whole whatever they were doing and attacked that batter in a different way. Mm-hmm. You don't have that anymore. And I don't know. Here's where I go with the Contreras thing. Is I'm less apt to put the blame on Contreras I'm put the blame on the Cardinals for not being prepared yeah, they the, weren't the, prepared right. for post Yachty yeah good call and I understand that you know, how can you be prepared until you live it but you should have known that what you had on your hands was an absolute baseball legend behind the plate mm-hmm. and the Cardinals staff weren't ready for that what next who's next and when Contreras got there they went oh bleep this isn't Yachty well no kidding so I I think there's plenty of blame to be shared around Um, you know and as far as calling the game from the bench I don't see why you couldn't for a couple of games with Contreras so that he gets a feel for what you're calling the situation like there is something to be said for learning on the job. Yeah. You can talk about it all you want in the video room and clubhouse, but until you execute it, and it's not the same as catching a bullpen day mm-hmm. for Wayne or whoever. It's not the same as standing there next to Ollie as they <laughs> tell you what's going on. Get in there. Say, get behind the dish. Sure. You know? And we'll call the game from here, and you'll get to see what the pattern is, what we're doing, and why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to... The the mic drops point. I think the overall point was that, well, why don't you just do that? Why don't you just do that? It free up, it frees up a spot at second base now. 
because you don't have to have Nolan Gorman be your second baseman. It could be a DH. You can bring back some flexibility, and all Contreras has to do is look over and and get the sign from the bench. You could absolutely do that. Problem is, you have the pitch clock. So what? And BT talked about that last week. He said it's been a little bit more difficult for Contreras and the Cardinals to basically get everything the way they want it because they have to work around the pitch clock sure. in certain situations. And, but, they, and the Cardinals haven't executed it. But other teams are doing it. Other teams are doing it with right. brand new catchers, too. And figure it out. I, that, that would be my... You're, you're right, because BT did talk about that, Marsh. You're absolutely right. It's, it's an added element now, something that's just something is. they have to do. I'm not but, disputing that at all. But to Jamie's point, like figure, figure it out. Fig- oh, I don't agree with that. Or I, I agree with that. Yeah. Figure it out. You have to. You, I mean, you're in the... It's Major League Baseball. You, you have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, tonight... You've got Cardinals and Cubs starting at 640 again. Justin Steele versus Jordan Montgomery. Your lineup, Tommy Edmond, is leading off, and he's your second baseman tonight as Nolan Gorman, as we've discussed. Uh, Jamie, why no, why no Nolan Gorman? Oh, it's a federal law. Federal law to have him against a lefty. That's, yeah, you're not allowed to have him bat against That's what we pitch. think anyways. What, so what happens if they do? What's the like? What's the time? It's my understanding that, that Ali uh, could spend up to 25 years in prison. I, I think wow. that's a stretch. Um, however, Anthony, uh, I like how aggressive you are with it. Thank you. So Tommy Evans leads off. He's playing second base tonight. Paul Goldschmidt is hitting second. He's your first baseman. Wilson Contreras, of course, is your DH. He's hitting third tonight. Nolan Arnato is your cleanup hitter, and he's playing third. Dylan Carlson is in center, and he's, he's hitting fifth. Juan Yepes, Juan Yippy Yepes is your left fielder, and he's hitting six. Paul, I destroy souls at Wrigley Field. DeYoung is your shortstop, hitting seventh. Lars Taylor Tetsui Nupar is hitting eighth, playing right. And Andrew Kiz Daddy Kisner is behind the dish, and he's your ninth hitter. And then we got a, an interesting text here. Uh, we've had a couple of them. But I want your take on this. They said that, you know, Wilson Contreras also doesn't have the privilege of having Mike Maddox there as the pitching coach. What do you think? How much of an effect do you think that has? Like, as I know, Dusty Blake was more than heavily involved as part of the pitching staff last yeah. year, but he certainly he wasn't the pitching coach. The final word came from Mad Dog, mm-hmm. uh, or, or Ollie through Mad Dog. We haven't talked about that at all yet, is that this pitching staff is dealing with a whole brand, not a brand new philosophy because Dusty Blake was there, but a brand new leader. I, I, I think you have to throw it all in the pot. Yeah. You know, it's like Marsh bringing up the pitch clock thing. I, I think it's a factor. I don't think it's the factor, but I think it's a factor. This the, the tech, To the texter's point, uh, and Jamie, you're right, we haven't really talked about it a whole lot, but I think it's a factor. Yeah, you're, you have now a brand new pitching coach who hasn't done it before. And I know behind the scenes, all the analytic and the, the, the hard work and all that stuff is being put in by Dusty Blake. And yeah, I'm not disrespecting Dusty Blake at all. But he's still inexperienced. Yeah, and he's a younger guy, and it's like, do you have too much inexperience on your staff right now? Probably. Ali Marmel is only in year two. Dusty Blake in year one. Now, your bench coach has been there for a while. Your hitting coach has been there. He hasn't been here, so there's a learning curve there. I think you have to throw it all into the pot. It all matters. 
Are you shocked that... Maybe shocked isn't the word, but... Just su surprised in a sense that you knew you had... Goldschmidt, Arenado. You had these young players moving up through the system. Do you think it would have been more beneficial to maybe have a more experienced coaching staff? I think you know why. Uh, yes, yes, but I think you know why the Cardinals have decided. Well, I know of, why. They've gone with Matheny, first-time yeah, manager. They've gone. Sure. They went with Mike Schilt, who's a first-time big league manager, and now Ollie Marmel. A first-time big league manager, and you know, and you know why. I, I, of course, I know why. They like youth. They like youth. Yeah. They like inexperience. Yeah. I just wonder how many games maybe they 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 could have won over, hell, the course of a decade if they had a, a more experienced, and not just the manager itself, but just mm -hmm. the coaching staff. Uh, at least now, I you know we talked about it, the coaching staff is not as experienced. I wonder how many games they've lost because of that, in comparison mm -hmm. to. The players because we said sure. it's, it's like a melting pot of things yeah i wonder if you divvied it up i think ideally it would have been nice to have a veteran coach on the staff or uh and this is you know what and in fairness to the cardinals here okay if we step back for a second they did have matt holiday coming in and i know he's never managed or bench coach and all that mm -hmm. but he's got the resume as a player right now you don't have the resume from a former player on your staff. You had Skip last year, and you don't have the experienced guy. Last year you had Maddox, and you had Skip. And I think that the anticipation this year was to have Matt Holiday there too to kind of be that conduit of, hey, you know, you need to listen. Yeah. What he's saying is right, or we need to do it this way. Not that Ollie doesn't have control of the team, mm -hmm. but it always helps when you have that support group that's either the veteran, the old wiry veteran guy or the former player that used to just absolutely murder baseballs right good call thank you it's fast like <laughs> i want to want espn i don't know if you're done there i don't know either sometimes well sometimes you, you he has locked eyes you you leave it and then you come back you know you'll know when i come back around yeah <laughs> uh, i misjudged you on that one. All right, we got Beat the Streak, and we'll wrap up the show next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Baseball. All of my successes depend on me. You're ready to hit. The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. Time to play Beat the Streak here on the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. We got our guy Jake back. Jake had, what do you have last night? Paul DeYoung. Oh, that's right, Paul, Paul DeYoung. Paul D. Paul D. What's up, Jake? How's it going, fellas? Doing good. All right, Marsh, go ahead. All right, so our current streak standings. Anthony, you have five. Oh, boy. Jake has two. I have one. And unfortunately for Jamie, he is at zero. Thanks, Goldie. So I'm going to take Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, no, I had Contreras. I keep blaming Goldie. Yeah, you do. <laughs> All day long, I've been blaming Goldie. Sorry, Goldie. Uh, and I'm going to take Goldie. I'm not going to overthink this. I got I got the 
number one selection here tonight. So I'm going to take Paul Goldschmidt. He's got three hits off of Justin Steele and seven at-bats. I'm going to go that route. Jake, you're up. So I was listening to you guys just a few minutes ago, and you were talking about Nolan Gorman uh, not starting against the lefty. And I think that's a really good decision by Ollie because Justin Steele this season uh, has a 137 batting average against left-handers. So it's a really good decision not to start Gorman tonight. Uh, I am going to go. I'm going to hop the fence. I'm going to go with Dansby Swanson tonight. All right, so you're taking the Cub tonight against... Jordan Montgomery. That's who you had. Yeah, he had a decent game last night. Yeah, he did. Marsh, you're up. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with a Cub as well. He's batting 333 against Jordan Montgomery. Seiya Suzuki. Okay. And Jamie. Going back to the well. Wilson Contreras. There's no way he goes 0 for go for two games in a row in Chicago. No way. Okay, so I have Paul Goldschmidt tonight to get a hit. Jake has Dansby Swanson. Marsh took Seiya Suzuki. And Jamie took Wilson Contreras doubling down after last night. Jake, good luck to you. All right. Thanks a lot, fellas. I'll see you in Beantown. There you go. Sounds good. I like the confidence from Jake. See you, Jake. Thank you. There you have it. If you missed anything from today's show, you can download the podcast available at 101ESPN.com or your 101ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We discussed uh, Cardinals, a lot of Cardinals today as well, or as usual. A little blues talk, a little city talk. Talk to Jeremy Rutherford about uh, balls, lottery balls. Mm -hmm. And uh, what else did we do today? Anything else? We didn't really get in any weird conversations today. Despite what I just said. Yeah, we kept it pretty mild. We did. Yeah. Pretty mild today. All right. On a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. Hump day. Marsh, what do we got for criticisms and compliments? Well, I just wanted to bring up, uh, you know, we were talking about the the coaching staff in the last segment, and people were like, well, what about Willie McGee? So I was like, yeah. Yeah. Forgot about Willie McGee. Yeah. I mean, not that I forgot about Willie McGee. Right. Willie McGee is awesome. Yeah. Well, they've. Yes, he is. On, he is on the coaching staff, and yes, he's one of the veterans. Yeah, he's Willie McGee is pretty much like the the the, the outfield outfield whisperer. He's just quiet. He doesn't he doesn't do a lot of talking. He's not at the front and center. He he likes to help the outfielders. Loves working with players. Willie McGee, I know, has been offered higher positions within the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And he has said he's quite happy just being quietly in the background doing his job. And good for him knowing that uh-huh. and saying that and being just fine. And the Cardinals obviously love having him on the on the coaching staff. Absolutely. And players must, you know, glean so much from him. So. Uh, but yes, he's still in the coaching. Yeah, but if you're expecting Willie McGee to, you know, go into Ollie's office and tell him how to change things around or do this, that that's not his role, and it's not his personality. So, and not that Ollie wouldn't. I, I think Ollie's somebody, and you saw this with Skip Schumacher a year ago. I think Ollie is somebody that respects pushback. I don't think he's he's surrounding himself with yes. No, men not at, at all. all. I'm not uh, alluding to that at all. Right. Not at all. Ollie has been very open 
about it's you know by committee by committee and he does take in a lot of information right just you know you're getting a lot of information from people in first time roles mm-hmm. and so you know, maybe it's just going to take time for everybody to figure things out yeah be patient Hey, right, Jamie. Why you got to do that? Why'd you say that? I don't know why he does that. Oh, because his team's turning around, Pepper. Turning around. <laughs> sure are. Uh, I wanted to bring up that we got a text from the 636 around that 5 o'clock time frame, and uh, they wanted me to come back with a song or intro that best shows this show's personality Mm. and within that time frame you know i can't just make up a song or we can't play songs that are already uh you know owned by we got copyright copyright all that stuff that's why we're not coming back with songs that are might be familiar to you exactly exactly so um you know i came back with uh with that jr drop and uh i asked was this okay (laughs) And this person also said they, um, you know, might have been, you know, maybe drinking a little bit or, or whatnot, you know, after work. Judge free. You know how Jamie dives into the bourbon and, and whatnot. So maybe yep. this texture was doing the same. And they said it was perfection. Nice. So, perfection. Uh, Good. I'm happy about that. Uh, Jamie, you have your mother in town. I'm going to watch some playoff yeah. hockey tonight, huh? Mama, Mama Rivers. Mama Rivers. Good old Momsy, as I call her. She arrived today from Ottawa, Canada. Uh, and she's at the house right now with all the Rivers minions and uh, I think three dogs and in tow. And yeah, oh yeah. So mom's a big Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Uh-oh. And uh, can't wait to bury her tonight. Whoa. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Mom. Florida Panthers all the way. What? Who did you grow, who did you root for growing up? The Habs? They're a competitive household, Anthony. Montreal was your yeah, team? Yeah, so, quick story. Yeah, we got time. Quick story. My dad was a Montreal Canadiens fan, and my mom's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Those are two of the biggest rivals. <laughs> like, it, one of the biggest rivalries in all sports was those two teams. And so, on Saturday night, you'd have CBC with Hockey Night in Canada with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then you'd have the French Channel that carried the Montreal Canadiens, which, by the way, we only had five channels on our TV. We didn't have cable. Two of them were dedicated to hockey. Two of them hockey. were uh, hockey, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we had the big old TV in the living room that had the screen that was like 12 inches wide. And so you'd take a black and white TV and put it on top of the other big TV, and you'd have the Montreal Canadiens on one TV and the Toronto Maple Leafs on the other. And my mom would sit in her chair my dad would sit in his chair. My brother and I would sit in the couch, and we'd watch both games at the same time. Was there? Do you remember how how you chose which game to watch on the on the bigger TV? I mean, oh yeah. Uh, well, Montreal always got the the favoritism okay. on that one. We were more of a Montreal Canadiens household, except for my mom, who's Toronto Maple Leafs. So, Mumsy so- gets stuck with the little black and white TV. So neither you nor Sean went with mom with the Toronto Maple Leafs. No. Well, we liked <laughs> No. We, so to clarify, my brother and I did like the Maple Leafs as well. So, but if they're playing head to head, we'd cheer for the Canadians. Okay. But we liked the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. So if, if they were playing at the same time as the Canadians were, obviously two different teams, mm-hmm. 
we'd watch if there was a goal scored. We'd cheer for Toronto and cheer for Montreal. My dad wouldn't cheer for Toronto, but yeah. So that was kind of funny okay. to have that kind of. I don't know if you guys said like a split, like you went. Maple no, Leafs. my brother and I just loved hockey. We didn't care. But mom and dad was always like Toronto or Montreal. There was no like bender break in that one. Good for them. Yeah. yeah, I like that. All right, we'll enjoy the the time with with mom, and hopefully she stops by the studios at some point. She's going to come in at some point. Good. This should be interesting. All right, we have Warriors Lakers game five pregame later tonight. We got instant replay next, though. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.